Welcome everyone to the Absolute Geek Podcast. I am Matt. I am Snide Kyle. And tonight with us we have two very special guests. Uh, one, I want to introduce the Absolute Geek Podcast station to Adonis. Hi. Hello. I'm Adonis. Thanks for joining us tonight, Adonis. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And uh, we have a, another special guest tonight. We are kicking it off with uh, creator and owner of Cosmic Times, Mr. Mark Piero. How are you doing tonight, Mark? How's it going? It's Martin, actually. Martin. Martin. Oh, okay. My brother's name is Mark. It used to okay. get mixed up all the time, so don't worry about it. Okay. See, I think our email was written Martin, but that's cool. Or Mark. 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 I mean, I'm sorry, Mark. Mark. I'm all messed up now. <laughs> I'm but, just uh, happy to be here. You can call me whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us tonight, and uh, glad we could sit down with you. Awesome. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, Cos uh, Cosmic Times. Okay, cool. Cosmic Times is a small press publishing small press publishing company I have here in South Florida. We've been at it for about 11 years now. Actually, we have been at it uh, since 2008, I guess. So that's, uh, that's 11 years, yeah. The... Um, we started off just publishing my own stuff, thought it was kind of fun, just something to do uh, while I was working my day job. We'll talk about that later if you want to. But uh, ultimately, I, um, I, I, started, I started publishing my own stuff. It took off very well, and I, I kind of did the math, and the only way to make it work was to scale up quickly. So I decided to bring other people on board, and things kind of snowballed. I worked with a lot of great folks uh, in 2000. 2015, we got picked up by Diamond, so we're in the previous catalog, and that kind of exploded things for us. And I always tell people the uh, the worst thing that can happen to you is success. It's the most financially crippling thing you're ever going to have happen to you because now you have to pay bills and you have to do things. Um, so that that's that's kind of what, what what I am. We started. We just we published comics. We published comics I want to publish. Um, uh, maybe that's selfish. I don't know, but it's the kind of comics I want to see. So that's what I put out there. So, so now it's it's kind of my understanding. Um, after doing a little bit of research, you you started in kind of in this industry at the age of twelve, uh, publishing your own kind of fan magazine, uh, oh, you, Metropolis you, you Times. Did, you, you did do a little digging. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And you, yeah. Uh, what? So what kind of? And you later on took it and and turned it into Cosmic Times. So what kind of yeah. drove you to? I understand that you you left the industry for a little bit and and dabbled in in some other entertainment. Um, yeah. Yeah. work and then decided to come back so what kind of dro drove you back to the the business and wanted to do comic publishing wow, i think I you asked him five questions you're gonna have to research man you have to break it apart and no i, I part one a part two b you're gonna have to go through it i'll, I'll speak quickly as i as i can well I, I, again I, I think like probably everybody else in this in this cube of uh, boxes here in this brady bunch box we have going on here uh, i i read comics as a kid when i when i was real little you know i got into comics i'm, I'm 47 now I'm, I'm not ashamed to say i started reading micronauts comics uh, uh star wars comics were huge when i was a kid um and I was in all that. I really like the licensed property stuff, but I like Fantastic Four and things like that. Um, but I was, and I grew up watching Doctor Who on PBS. So I'm walking through what was called the farmer's market. It was like a little small, small, tiny mall we had here. Uh, it's since been demolished, but I was walking through it one day and there's a little comic shop and they had a Doctor Who comic and it was $1.25. At the time, comics were 60 cents. And I was like, what the hell is this? $1.25 for a comic? That's incredible. So I went inside. I had to have it. 
and I had to borrow money from my grandmother because back then a dollar twenty five was a lot. Um, I bought it and I, and, and I it was so expensive I had to take care of it. So I talked to the guy that owned the place. He talked talked to me about collecting comics, bags and boards and all that. And I got hooked. And then you know, so the I was I was in the comics heavily for years and years. And at the time, I knew I always wanted to do something in comics. I loved comics so much. And so I decided I wanted to do a fanzine. Fanzines were kind of a thing back in the 80s. I don't know if you guys remember. And this would have been 84. Well, just before the crisis. So 84, 85-ish. Um, the crisis. Like it was an actual historical event. I reference it. The, um, but so I, and I, I put a fanzine together. And I called it Metropolis Times because the comic store was called Metropolis Comics. And that's when he sat me down and goes, listen, Martin, I'm not the only comic store in town. What? <laughs> so I, I had to re, I couldn't call it Metropolis Comics and sell it at other people's comic stores. So I renamed it Cosmic Times. Uh, we were going to call it Comic Times, but I thought that was too cheesy. So we went with Cosmic Times. And I, I published it in, uh, you know, you, you take it, you get a photocopy, you staple it. And we, we had it in all the local shops here in South Florida. Plus, we were shipping them all over the place. It was actually something that started growing. Uh, I have another uh, story about an artist. I'll get to that in a minute from back then. But then, you know, the worst thing that could happen to a comic book nerd was I discovered girls. And that really stopped to my comic collecting for a while. Kind of got out of it. Um, I ended up going, as we're talking just before we started rolling, to the Art Institute uh, of, of Fort Lauderdale. I originally was going to go to the Ringling School of Art. I don't know if you heard about it. It's in uh, Sarasota. And they had an animation program, hand-drawn animation. Dodged a bullet not getting into that because, you know, clearly that's... I would be out of work right now. <laughs> so I, uh, I went to the Art Institute and I studied film, or t it was called the, the, the it was called music and television production. Or, and we, everybody thought that, or, or it was called music and video production. Everybody thought we're making music videos. No, it was just music production and television production. And so I did that, got out, um, ended up working in film, uh, on stage. Um, my, la my last creative job was I was cutting infomercials. That was uh, apparently South Florida is the capital of infomercials, and there was a lot of work for the company I was working with, and we were just we were cranking on infomercials and all kinds of direct response things. Did you, you like know. the vacuum sealer commercial? Uh, we didn't do the vacuum sealer, but we did do a. I guess I can talk about it now. We sold a computer that didn't work. We could never get it to work when we had it on set, but it was the best computer ever. So we always just shot it till you never saw the monitor because it wouldn't turn on. It just. <laughs> yeah, and, I don't believe what I see on TV, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did that, and then I that that they closed shop. 9/11 um, happened, uh, and you know the business kind of shrunk a little bit. So I ended up getting a job working in IT at a law firm. As much as it was a great paying job, everybody at the firm was amazing. IT at a law firm is not your most creative job in the world. So I was left thinking, what am I going to do? And I had this concept for a television pitch from back when I worked in television and stuff, or at least was studying it. And I said, I can turn that into a comic. And I went to Megacon in Orlando, um, sat on a few panels. Uh, Jeffrey Kaufman, who I always say is uh, uh, one of the people who got me interested in making comics. He does big city comics. And uh, Christian Baranek, um, who was a dude at the time, um, convinced me you know, that I should uh, try to make comics. So... I did. And like, like I just said, it was, we had a huge success. Our, my first book I put out was called Arthur the Legend Continues. It was based on an original television pilot for King Arthur in a post-apocalyptic uh, England. And uh, the book sold like hotcakes. And like I said, I had to scale up quickly to, to justify the cost of it all. And here we are now. See, I answered all your questions. There you go. You did. 
in fantastic <laughs> fashion too. That's awesome. That is awesome. So it's my understanding that a lot of your, well, I know you have at least one book that is uh, you're doing crowdfunding for from blood. Yes. I've tried, I've tried Kickstarter twice before uh, and it's, it's always been a struggle. It's um, kind of a hit or miss. We do. Okay. We, we get funded, but never, you know, greatly. So what are, um, so what are some challenges you've run into with that and trying to crowdfund that, that book? Uh, well, this with from blood, the challenges I'm, I'm finding. I just had today. We were doing pretty good. Things started picking up, and I get a message: somebody uh, canceled their pledge. Like, why would you? Why would you pledge and then cancel it so quickly? Um, it's kind of heartbreaking when you think, "Ah, oh, we're moving up," and then you look at the, the, the this little chart you have on on Kickstarter. Now it's it's pointing down again, and I'm like. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's much more of an emotional struggle than anything else, uh, just trying to get through it. But um, the reason I chose to go with Kickstarter nowadays, it seems that's the way to find an audience. Uh, being in Diamond is not a guarantee audience anymore. My, um, my sales in Diamond, every book I put out always seem to slide a little further down. Uh, not just you know, from first to second issue, because that's always a drop. But just each series just never quite seemed to do as well as the series before it. And think, what do you think that is? Do you think it's because of just the the comic industry as a whole of like the speculators and the new hot thing and everything's so extra flashy now and in and out? Do you think it's harder for the smaller guy to to push its way through just to get a little bit of light? Or what what does your theory? Oh, I, will, I will say it is it is very. It is very in and out right now. That is that is definitely for, for sure. You can see that with the, the big two with them rebooting, you know, almost weekly, it feels like now. The um, For me, I, I know that as over the last few years, I work closely with my local retailer. Comic shops are closing. There's not as many as there were five years ago when I got in the Diamond. You know, and I, I just sent out an email about the, we have a, a retailer tier on our From Blood Kickstarter. And I sent out an email and 50 of the emails bounced back is no longer no longer in service. And these are all retailers I used to email on a regular basis. So that's, that's shrunk the market. I think that um, Marvel is, you know, I think I have it here somewhere. Marvel is stifling the industry with the, the like the Marvel's previews. It's massive. They're putting yeah. so many books that they're, they're strangling the retailers where they can't afford to, yeah, yeah, Marvel and DC have their own catalog, but in previews, you have the front part of the catalog, which is IDW, Boom, for some reason, um, Dark Horse, and uh, Image. Then you have the back of the catalog where the rest of us live. And with Marvel and DC, or the Marvel mostly putting out so many titles, retailers just can't afford to even order from the back of the catalog anymore. Hmm. Like if, you, if you look at the numbers, because I, I follow I follow comic numbers very closely because well, that's how I make my living, and um, you, you just see how low some of, some of the Marvel and DC titles are hitting, and that's just pushing everybody further and further down, in my opinion. Ad Adonis? Hi, I'm Adonis. Um, question. You, you don't have to raise your hand here, Adonis. Feel free to just jump in whenever you want. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to make sure that you, we were all on the same page. Um, so when it comes to, when it comes to that the, the the physical comics being suffering from the decline and everything like that. If you're if you're anywhere outside of the big two, do you think that's because people are, are veering away from the physical comics versus the the digital comics? Is should we are are, are physical comics only for collecting and people actually read the digital versions? Um, 
I, you know, I, I, would, I would love to say that digital was the key, but we have half of our titles on comicsology, okay. and it's, it's hardly, it's hardly a drop in the bucket versus what the amount of money we made with Diamond versus what we're making with comicsology is almost, it's night and day. The pennies on Comicsology, where it was, you know, at least a couple thousand each book on Diamond. Uh, it's funny we talk. We're talking about this. I was talking about this online on Facebook today. Uh, when I got in the industry, which was, I guess, eleven years ago now, everybody was saying, "If we don't get kids in the comics, the industry is going to die. We got to get kids in the comics so that they can grow up and be the next group that's buying comics." Because we're all going to. I'm forty-seven. I'm aging out of comics. People are aging out of comics. Yeah. And. Um, that next audience doesn't seem to be coming up. They're, they're buying comics, but they're buying the scholastic graphic novels. They're buying the stuff they sell at Target, and they're not buying those, you know, obviously overpriced three ninety nine floppies from the comic store, at, at, as we used to do, or we still do. I still do. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I buy way too many. I had a stack this big, and I'm going to read like four of them. I don't know why. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why do I? I have long boxes of books I've never read and probably never will. I had a book of mine today, and I was like, I don't even know why it's in here, but I still bought it. Yeah. I, I, I love Star Wars. I buy the Star Wars series. I've read the first four issues. They're on 74 now or 73, and I've only read four of them, but I have them all. And all the variants from that first issue, I have them all because – because again, as kids, we were programmed for that, and I don't think the next generation has been programmed for it as they should have been. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep raising my hand. Uh, Point to you, to like, hey, you go, yeah, uh, you sir, right there. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that is definitely a, a big part of it—the passing on that uh, that 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 need to to collect these things, to read them, to to dive into these worlds that these these people create. Um, I know for me, my brother's 10 years younger than me and the comic book store that was by my house that's still there and still kind of booming. They have events and things like that. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the audience isn't as big as it used to be, but the comic book store is Tate's Comics. Um, and uh, Tate's Comics down here, you mean? Yeah, that's that's okay, yeah. I grew up with. Um, and uh, I would take him there and I would show him all the comics that I like, all the characters I like. We'd sit there and watch the cartoons and things like that. And now my brother, <laughs> he plays for the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons. Hey. And he, uh, we, he came here when they played the Cardinals and I took him to a comic book shop out here and he was just like, man, it's been a while, but I still love this stuff. He's looking at figures to collect and things like that. Um, comics and stuff like that, and I, I was just like, man, it feels like how it was a long time ago. Except you're a lot bigger now. <laughs> and my, I, I have a daughter, and she's nine months, and basically, I'm doing the same thing. I'm showing her the cartoons that I love. I'm showing her the cartoons that I grew up on, and I'm showing her the comics that she can play with right now. <laughs> the preview books. Yeah, the um, that, that that's great. You know, it's up to obviously the current readers to pass it on to the next generation. But yeah. uh, and but you, you mentioned your brother with the statues and and the figures and stuff. That's a thing too that wasn't there when, when at least when I started getting the comics, there wasn't a lot competing for your comic book dollars. It was you had two dollars, I can buy two comics. You know, I'm, I'm I'm doing good. Maybe three if they're you know, but. Now, you know, there's action figures and movies and video games and all this stuff. If you like, if you like Spider-Man, oh, you yeah. can get your Spider-Man fixed without ever touching a Spider-Man comic. Yep. Is it a problem? Is it a good thing? I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Is it up to the comic shops to make sure these books get into um, – you know, I'm going to bring up a 
topic. The, sorry about comics. When uh, whenever a DC movie comes out, exception of the Joker, whenever they always put banners on the comic books, Wonder Woman's opening in two months or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, we're buying the books. We know Wonder Woman. You don't need to tell us Wonder Woman's opening. In you two can't months. tell everybody else. Tell, tell the audience to come buy the comics instead of telling the people to buy the comics to go see the movie. We're already going to see it. It's a given. You know, I'm, I'm going to be there opening day, giving them my money. But if the movie theaters would just do, hey, if you like Wonder Woman, go to your comic shop and buy the current issue. I don't know. Should should Kevin Smith like bring that back since he's rebooting uh, Jay and Silent Bob? Should he reboot people's idea of what a comic is? Why these cool characters that we're sitting up there forcing in our faces um, all the time in the theaters, where they came from, why they exist? I'm with you on that. It's like uh, whenever whenever you, you you watch a movie based on a book, they don't they don't marginalize like Stephen King. They didn't marginalize Stephen King with it. You go to the bookstores, a big it display. Everything's all tied together. Yep. Uh, but there's a disconnect between comics and and the movies, and it's really bizarre. I will say, I don't even remember when uh, the Dark Knight came out. Uh, the yep. wherever the last the last Dark Knight Rises, the last Christian Bale one. Yep. We went to the comic shop. Commissioner Gordon was Batman. It wasn't even like if you saw the Batman and you went in the comic shop, you could read something that was anything like the movie you just saw. So yeah. I don't know, maybe Kevin Feige needs to get involved in the comics a little more and make them more in line with the movies. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a that's a big topic that as a small press publisher I have no control over. Yeah. I wish I did. Don't we all? Yeah. Do you think another reason people are that you see a decline in sales and you see it harder for a next generation of people to come in is because we're living in a world now where, you know, we don't collect CDs anymore. We don't collect, nothing is collected. Everything is kind of digital. So people don't like people we're living in a world now where we're collecting something is clutter and people don't like to collect because it's clutters up. People like to be minimal. Do you think that might be part of it? I would say most definitely. Yes. As I have, you know, 40 long boxes in the corner of my son's bedroom. <laughs> the, uh, hey, he doesn't live here right now. So it's okay. The, uh, but I'll tell you tonight, we went to go watch uh, show my daughter, my daughter's uh, 12. We went to go show a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, which I love the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. It was, mm-hmm. it was in my wheelhouse in 1991. So we went to show it to her and it wasn't on any of the streaming services. And I'm like, we've got to go find the DVD. So I had to go to behind the couch to the, all the all the, the boxes of DVDs, just trying to find this DVD. And it is it is like it's like sometimes I think why do we still have all these DVDs? But when it happens, you know, you, have, you got to watch Robin Hood. You need to have the DVD. But it it, it, it was interesting that because I'm just kind of used now to that, and I haven't. I don't think I bought a Blu-ray in two years. I haven't bought a CD in at least five or six. Uh, I'm, I'm in that group that doesn't that that gets digital music and gets digital movies and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But I still want you to buy my physical comics. Exactly. <laughs> Where can they go to find your physical comics? CosmicTimes.net. Somebody has the .com and won't give it up for unless I pay them thousands of dollars. So oh, it sucks. <laughs> but that's the thing too. I, I told you I named the fanzine Cosmic Times when I was 14 or 13, um, and since I named it to now, it turns out Cosmic Time became a thing. Like when I named it, it wasn't a thing. Cosmic time is what NASA uses to track from the Big Bang to now. That's what they call tracking cosmic time. So I set up my website, everything going. And when you Google it, I'm like the third one that comes up. All these NASA sites come up when you type in cosmic time. <laughs> well, somebody told me that, but 
That SEO is awesome. <laughs> Cosmictimes.net. That's that. That's where I keep. I put everything on there. And then, of course, all the social media. Everybody's got to be on social media these days. So, what are the kind of titles that they can find? Well, I'll tell you, uh, we're talking about the kids, and with the exception of From Blood, From Blood is not an all-ages book. We did a shift uh, a couple years ago to try to do a little more all-ages stuff. We have a book called Deep Space Tragedy about a teenage robot rock band on the run. This, we kind of target toward that kind of tween crowd. We have a book called Sugar Boogers, not Booger Sugar, but Sugar Boogers about um, gingerbread ninjas that we, we, we target toward kids. And we do a lot of outreach with uh, the Girl Scouts and schools here, and we get we get a pretty good feedback uh, from the kids. Do they ever come back and buy our the second issue? But uh, we try. We try to. You know, we're we're doing our we're doing our part to try to get kids in the comics, and and we do okay with the with the. Um, but even at comic cons, our sales are are not what they used to be. Everything is hard out there for a comic pimp, man. It really is. Was <laughs> that for a five year old reference? Uh, I think a lot of that with the comic cons, though, is I. It's another thing is I think it's it's gone in such a different direction. It's okay. hard. You don't have those hard comic based people. There, there's a lot less going there now. Yeah, well, you, the shows are more attended than they've ever been. But again, they're not there for me. Yeah. Uh, we used to do megacon. A lot of comic artists and yeah. writers and publications either, though. Well, I, I found that things really started to shrink for me uh, when the print jockeys kind of took over. You had a lot, you know, when, when I first started out, it was uh, guys making their own comics, guys selling old comics, and then artists trying to sell original art. And the, the print thing really wasn't a thing until about maybe two or three years after I got into it. And that really started to affect independent publishers, sales. That end, there's a lot more independent guys than there were when I started out. Uh, companies like Kablam and the print on, direct, print on demand stuff makes it a lot easier and a lot more affordable to publish comics. So, it's crowded. It's crowded in my part. Then you have all the artists. And the worst thing is the celebrities. I love the celebrities, but we were at MegaCon. A couple, uh, the last MegaCon we did, and Tim Curry was there right after he had a stroke. He was in no condition to see people. But it was $150 to get a photograph and an autograph of this, with this guy. Right. They were kind of just propping up in a wheelchair. I felt bad for him. The, um, but that sucks all the money out of room. The cons are getting so expensive to attend. Yep. Like 60 bucks to get in. 150 for this autograph, uh, $50 for that, $20 for a print. By the time they filter themselves to, to people like me, who they don't even know what our property is, it's kind of, I know I'm sounding all sad and depressed. This is supposed to be positive. Yeah. It's it good is. to see both sides of the fence. Yeah. It's a different business than it was when I started. Hey, you know what sells? Yeah. Pulling at the heartstrings. Yeah. It sells. It's really hard, guys. Please support my. Only thirty-three please. cents a day. You too can be part yeah. of this comic book. <laughs> um, what you were saying earlier, Martin, about uh, uh, having um, uh, you know a coalition, if you will, with the Girl Scouts and things like that. Is there are there any like organizations that help um, get publishers and people that have that industry um, experience and, and or link um, to go to like schools and things like that to visit kids and talk to them about what comics are and why they're cool, they're still cool, things like that. Where do you think these movies came from, so on and so forth? 
that's actually what we do with the Girl Scouts. And some, and we did it with the Boy Scouts and a few other organizations. The schools, man, it's a hard nut to crack. They don't take, um, they don't take kind of what we do that seriously. Even though the books like Smile and, and those other, you know, thicker graphic novels sell well to the to the students mm -hmm. that are published by Scholastic. Somebody's got some uh, some money in some pockets there. The, um, it's it's really hard. Books from fourth grade from them. Well, yeah, we all weekly reader and Scholastic. Yeah. The, um, but it's hard. It's hard to get in in, in with the schools. Uh, it's just, it, there's these walls and barriers and comics. I think the '90s for how how great they were for the business and the money that made really hurt the perception of the industry. Mm -hmm. um, to because people think of comics as not even being for kids anymore. And I'll be honest with you. I look at some of these Marvel books, like when when they rebooted Spider-Man with the brand new day, I was like, I don't think I want my daughter reading what's in this book. It was it was almost inappropriate for, for kids. And I was thinking, this is Spider-Man. Mm. Spider-Man ever be inappropriate for kids to read? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know if you remember when they did the brand new day, there was like the third or fourth issue, Spider-Man got drunk at a wedding and woke <laughs> up with a woman in his bed. I'm like, I don't think my daughter needs to read that. I don't think she needs to see that, you know? Matt, was that last week we put that on... Uh... One of the worst storylines yet. Yeah, oh, the brand new yeah. yeah, we did last week. We had done you know bad storyline, comic storylines that we didn't like, and I think that was the one that was all in agreement. Yeah, you know, that was the thing. That I, I was I was really reading comics at that time, and Civil War was such a great you know it was a, it was it was a milestone for Marvel, and this is what they did with Spider Man right after Civil War, and I was like, ah, right. So it wasn't appealing. I don't know. I don't know. I did. I'm not going to, you know, dance lots of great writers. Wonderful guy. <laughs> don't, don't hate me on Twitter. Dance lot. You know. So kind of going back a little bit to the, the crowd, crowdfunding thing, would you recommend uh, kids today who are maybe trying to self publish or publish, go the crowdfunding route? Or would you think that maybe trying to seek out an independent publisher would be a better option? Hmm. Um, I will say that crowdfunding has made it easier for folks. Um, obviously, as an independent publisher, I'd love you to bring your books to me. Uh, but the uh, if you have an idea and you have you have a completed project, Kickstarter is the place to go. Hmm. But it, it isn't. It's hard, man. Kickstarter is not as easy as you might think it is. It's 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 uh, you have to have all your ducks lined up, and I didn't quite have them all lined up this time. And the uh, just just the the animal, the machine that's Kickstarter. I know several guys like Joel. Joel Rodriguez just wrapped up his Dust County Chronicles book. He did really well on it, um, but he was working that Kickstarter so hard it was taking up all of his time. So it's kind of a balance. If you're a creator, it's hard to create when you're having to, to run these Kickstarters. But I definitely think it's a way to find an audience. We're finding new people through Kickstarter that we never had before. Um, when we were in Diamond, 60% of our sales come from the state of Florida because that's where I live. Um, and that's the stores that I know and support me. So but with Kickstarter, it's, it's a nice national platform that people can discover you on. So I, I'm, that's why we went back to Kickstarter after being in Diamond just to try to find that new audience because we're seeing so many people have success with Kickstarter. You know, we felt, we felt this is a, a way to, to kind of capture that audience. And I think for somebody who doesn't need, you know, if they're doing it themselves, you're a writer, artist, and you're doing it yourself, Kickstarter would be great. But the problem is our Kickstarter were $3,500 because we have to pay to print the books. we got to pay the, the colorist the color of the books. So we have a lot of other costs that if you did it yourself, you wouldn't have. So there's that. So if, if someone came to you as a writer with a, a book in mind, do you help connect them to an artist? Like do you guys have artists readily available or do you recommend they, they reach out like 
deviant art or try to hook up with an artist before making that pitch to, to someone in your, your position? It's always better to have an artist in my mind. Um, we're actually talking to some guys now. It's our second book from Finland. For some reason, people from Finland are attracted to Cosmic Times. I don't know. Uh, we're talking to this other company that has Great, a book Finland. from Finland. <laughs> yeah. We love Finland. The, um, but they, 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 they pitched a book to us, and it's, it's partially done. I'm like, okay, this, this is something I can work with. Um, would I take an artist and a, and a writer and put them together? Of course. But at the end of the day, I'm a writer. And uh, my, my creative director, Zach Bassett's a writer. So, you know, we're not really in the market for writers so much as we are completed projects and artists. So that's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the curse of being a writer in comics. It's, hard, it's harder out there for a writer than it is for an artist to find work or to, to get noticed because without the art, you know, it's a visual medium. Um, but yeah, so I, for, for Cosmic Times, I prefer something that's a little more together. You have a team together. Um, am I against doing it? No. But it would have to be really something spectacular because if I'm going to incur the cost of an artist, it's got to be something that I know I can cash in on. Yeah. I know that sounds that sounds cold and capitalistic, but whatever. You know, money is money. <laughs> so we had a question from someone in our chat who wanted to know what's the best way to move your product to the forefront and sell more and move more units. Uh, in in respect of just like comic cons or in respect because it's, it's I think with comics just like multiple markets as far as in diamond got to buy the ads in the catalog and those are super expensive I'm still paying off that some of that debt the um, it's kind of what you have to do if you want to get noticed um, as far as comic cons signage I don't know I don't know I wouldn't even know uh, to get noticed at a comic con that's something everybody struggles with yeah. uh, and it depends on where you're trying to move your product if you're, if you're if you're not in diamond good luck getting a retailer to even take a look at your book even when we're in the in the catalog we've had several retailers tell us we just don't order independence so that's hard yeah. that the question I don't know if that was quite the there's also another question in there that's he, he said, why don't you go through Amazon? You can make the money. You're cutting out middlemen. That seems like something to go do. Is it, what do you think going through Amazon? You think that would be too hard? What, what I never even heard of that until tonight. So Amazon does self I know they do a lot of novelists. And I think there is an option for comics on there where they do a print on demand service. But I think they take a hell of a cut out of it. You, you would have to charge a, see, that's the problem nowadays too, with some of these printers and whatnot, you have to charge such a high cover price. Unless you did, unless you crowdfunded it to get mm -hmm. some of that cost offset, the um, I think Amazon takes a pretty big uh, slice of that when it comes to uh, selling through them. It's a way to get noticed. That's true. And I know several. Uh, my my son's actually working on a poetry book. He's going to publish through Amazon, but he understands he's not going to make any real money on it. That's that's kind of the thing. Um, we've looked. We have we've had one of our books on Amazon because one of the libraries had to had to be on Amazon for them to carry it. Mm. Weird weird. So we put one of our books on Amazon. We sold to the library, haven't moved a single unit since. So you know, there's that. So where can they find your Kickstarter? And what what is that? Like, go through that one more time for us, because I think I find it interesting. Well, the Kickstarter, uh, I should, I'll let you know. Okay, it originally was a two-issue black and white miniseries mm -hmm. that my creative director, Zach Brassett, brought to me. He had the first issue done. And he's like, hey, I got, because right before, right when things started snowballing, just before we got into Diamond, he's like, hey, I got this idea. My buddy James and I have done almost the entire first issue. Uh, it's called From Blood. It's about a mental patient who's like tearing people in half. He's like super strong. Like, eh, 
I don't think we want to want to carry a book that's called From Blood and it's like super violent. Uh, some a year or two went by and he pitched it to me again and he said, no, really take a look at it. And the story had heart to it and it had a lot of um, a lot of feeling, a lot of emotion to it that I didn't expect. I thought it was just going to be this ultra violent kind of you know Punisher in a mental hospital, but it, it had a lot more. To, or actually, it's kind of a Hulk in the mental hospital when you think about it. But it had a lot of heart to it. And he had the first issue done, and it, it, it kind of just ended, and they had no idea where the story was going to go. So Zach and I sat down with the outline that he and James had, and I'm a huge fan of Richard Donner films. I think Lethal Weapon, the three, the four Lethal Weapon films are great. It's like, it's popcorn cinema, and I love it. Yeah. And I did Maverick and Superman and all that good stuff. The um, So I said, I want to write a comic like a Richard Donner film that just starts, and it just kind of keeps going and has these high, over-the-top action sequences and so Zach and I sat down and we hammered out what, what would have been the second issue of the series. And we had put it out black and white back years ago. But just then we took off with Diamond. And so the book never really found an audience. and never did anything with it. It kind of got swept under the rug. So I was talking, what can we crowdfund? We want to try something with Kickstarter. So we took the black and white pages we had and now we're having them colorized. We're kind of tweaking things out a little bit. And we're putting it out as a complete graphic novel. So it's an 80-page graphic novel, uh, pretty much about a mental patient who has superhuman strength, is in invincible, and he has no idea who he is or where he's from. And, he, and the psychologist starts working with him, and then they, they take off. They're on the run, trying to find out his past. Some great action sequences in there that uh, that I just kind of ripped off from a Richard. Not ripped off. I, it was inspired by the kind of stuff Richard Donner would do. And um, yeah, we, we put together what I think is a really good story um, that kind of, it's not a kid's book, unfortunately. So you limit your appeal with that, but it's definitely a, a fun, a fun ride. Uh, we're kickstarting it, trying to offset the, the cost of the colorist and to, co to cover the printing. And then we're also give Zach and James a, a few shekels if we can make it out, out of the project. And then once we finish with that, we're going to take it to Diamond and then try to distribute it nationally. So do you have different tiers that a, someone can do and then with what do you oh, yeah, get that that's like the whole thing with with you know with uh crowdfunding you have the you have the digital tier that's a lower price and then you mm -hmm. have the regular edition then we, ha we have a foil edition then you can get an original sketch by the artist we have original pages for sale and then our final tiers our toner dollar tier if you're a retailer we'll, we'll do um 25 copies for $200 and I'll have the cover exclusively done for your store. We have a variant cover by Larry Watts who did um, Robin Hood for Zenoscope and a lot of other books. And we'll put the store's logo on the main character's t-shirt as he's uh, on the cover. So the next week we're going to be trying to reach out to a lot of retailers and see if we can get a few of them on board. Um, this would be, and they, they would have the book the same month it's in Diamond. So they would, they would have it in advance of the actual national distribution for it. Nice. Where can where can our audience go to find to find this? Oh, uh, you go to my website cosmotimes.net. Oh, you, right you can just yeah, it's right on the homepage. We have a if you go to cosmotimes.net slash from blood, it's right there. Or just search for from blood on um, on uh, Kickstarter, and that, that's that's a that's a way to find it. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I know. Um, kind of speaking on the. Um, I'm probably jumping pretty far back, but I, I, like we were talking about before uh, we started, I I love comics and things like that, and I love watching cartoons. And I wanted to uh, be I wanted to be a comic book artist uh, when I was when I was a kid. And you know, I 
listening to how you got to where you are and the, the, the journey that you went to, the journey that mostly everybody that wants to get into the industry goes through. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's, it sheds a, a really important light. Um, so people have a better grasp as to what, what is expected of them. Um, but it also, it also to me tells me, okay, what's missing? How can we do this better? How can we do this more efficiently, um, to get to, to, I think to get more people involved in, in the, in the realm of comics, um, and interact it. Um, because you know, that's, that's how everything is now. Everybody wants to be involved and say, Oh, I was a part of this. Um, it, are you familiar with manga? Of course. Yeah. My oh. daughter's reading Sailor Moon now. Go figure. Don't read my comics. Never read one of mine, but she's reading Sailor Moon like crazy. <laughs> awesome. I used to watch that cartoon all of the time. There you go. Um, so what's the deal with the tuxedo guy? I don't get it. <laughs> Darian. <laughs> um, the idea of, of like the Shonen jumps and things like that, like uh, uh, an artist and a writer coming together and pitching their, um, they're, they're getting past the, the, you know, it's kind of like American idol, but in a magazine and people vote and say, Hey, this one should keep going. And then so on and so forth. Do you think that would work here? Um, I think 10 years ago it would have worked here. I think uh, it, it would take a lot of groundwork to get to that. It's almost, again, we, we're like in a tiny little bubble that no one really, the, the mainstream doesn't really think about. It's like all the people that watch, that watched Walking Dead, have they ever read a Walking Dead comic? I don't know. Yes. Some have. Yeah, I know. We, I, I, that's, a, that's a thing too. I have my, um, one of my daughter's teachers reads the Walking Dead graphic uh, trade paperbacks. Like, yeah. where do you get them? Orders them online. Go to the freaking comic store. Exactly. I have a walking dead tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, the um, I think something like that could work, but it would have to be built from the ground up. And the, there's a there needs to be a redefinition of what comics are, I think, going forward, um, if we're gonna survive. Uh, I think maybe we need to be looking at like the European model with the graphic albums, you know, the thicker books, or even even um, because again, you look at mangas and in Japan. It's, it's just everywhere. It's like, oh, I got my manga here, and I'm a 45-year-old man. I got mine. I'm a 12-year-old girl. Everybody's got them. Here, no. But yet here, are the, the, the number one films in our country are superhero movies. Yep. You know, it's finding that, that, that transition. If, um, again, unfortunately, Stan Lee was kind of the bridge between comics and, and pop culture or media, regular media. Yep. And without him, I don't know. Because every all the kids I talk to know who Stan Lee is. They know he created Spider-Man. No clue who Jack Kirby is, but whatever. The um, there's not that we need that bridge between you know regular mainstream media and and comics. And we can sit here and philosophize about it all day. I don't I don't know that there isn't there has to be some kind of solution to get it back into the public eye. And I think it's going to take a redefinition. Maybe what we we're talking about. Turn it into some kind of reality, you know, internet reality show. Uh, where, where, because again, I tell you, the kids today, they're not watching, even watching television anymore. My daughter, what 90% of what she watches is on YouTube. Yep. Yep. The greatest stuff. I mean, it's not bad, like it's not pornography or anything, but it's uh, yeah. that's dad. But the, um, it's, it's all these people, you know, doing goofy stuff. You just, the YouTube, oh, yeah. the YouTube generation, 
and they love that stuff. If if that's maybe we need to find a way to tap into that to get the kids on board. Uh, the content needs to be more, more kid friendly in my mind. Um, there's so much. There's so much we can sit here and say that's wrong with the industry, but there's so many great things about it. But all the wrong stuff kind of pushes blocks people from getting to like to, to that. And I, I think I think the idea of doing like a some kind of a, like uh, contest thing, but it would need to be on a national some kind of uh, like like I was saying uh, through YouTube or something to tie video elements into it where, where the kids are to get them into it. That'd be cool. Um, I so Kyle and I actually went to this past weekend um, to get uh, some comics signed by Todd McFarland. Uh, um, and he's that, in Arizona, right? He lives yeah, out there. Yeah. Yep. And that was pretty cool. And I remember when I saw um, Stanley, and I think the second to last time he was here at uh, Phoenix Comic Con, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion. Now um, he was there with uh, with uh, with Todd, and they were on the stage. And I remember sitting down and thinking, I need to sit here and watch this because I don't know when the next opportunity for me to right. do this is going to be. Um, and ever since seeing Todd ask um, Stan those questions that kind of, um, you know, bridge the gap between comic legends and the audience and their fans and kind of say, hey, you ask us questions. Hey, how do you feel about this? Stan, tell us what the, how you got here, so on and so forth. I thought I was like, I think Todd could do that. Todd, I think Todd can do that. There are a bunch of people that can yeah, do that. Herman could as well, yeah. Exactly. And I, I feel like the idea of what you were saying with uh, getting uh, the, bridging the gap, putting this uh, this contest together on the on YouTube or something like that, that would be that would be pretty awesome. I mean, they have they have people having their exes or friends tattoo them. Why can't we have people having contests um, to get famous in comic books? I agree. I agree. I, again, I think if we can just. Like I was saying earlier, the, the 90s, I think, pushed so many people away from comics that uh, it, it's a bridge that needs to be built back. I, I mean, I wish I had the resources to do it myself, but I think a guy like Todd McFarlane or like a Robert Kirkman or uh, Mark Millar, those guys have the clout on both sides, the, the media and the, and the comics, to pull some stuff together. But, you know, they had to be willing to do it. That's the thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Hey! <laughs> Behold the internet. <laughs> That's a thing too. I had to build my own website. That was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, That's probably being small press. You do most of the work yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I know I'll, I know a little bit about that. <laughs> But again, I would recommend Kickstarter. He's asked before. I think this kind of spun out of that, asking if Kickstarter is the way to go. Um, I think crowdfunding um, to get started, most definitely, because it takes money to do anything. You know, it takes money to buy a website. You know, I, I get, get, get that bill every two years, and um, then Facebook advertising is a cost now. You know, there's there's so many little costs that kind of come into it. Like we had to get a PO box to uh, so my business address isn't my home address because. I don't want weirdos stopping by the house. The um, and so these are little costs that kind of come into it. You got you have to, and the kickstarters when you at the beginning most definitely would help you, you know, get over that hurdle because it was all out of my pocket. Luckily, I had that good job as I, in IT at the law firm. So yeah, which I since gave up, 
I can make a mint in comics, I tell you. Comics is where the money is. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I don't spend more than I actually make. Yeah. But that's the thing, too. A lot of the guys who make comics or who buy comics also want to make comics. We got to find those people that just want to buy them to read them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you guys have any other questions for, for Martin before we let him go? No, man. You, okay, cool. All right. Oh, you were, hope that was too easy. Kind of interesting. I don't know. It definitely was. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. I know it's it's late there, so we'll we'll let you go. But I want to thank you for stopping in and, and talking to us tonight about about Cosmic Times and everyone. Uh, I've got the link on the screen, and we'll put it in our description below. Uh, make sure so. to check out Comics Times and uh, pick up some creator-owned books and. Uh, Get out there and let's spread the word and keep comics growing. Like you said, awesome. comics are right. <laughs> You got to get those defibrillators going. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for Thank coming you. on. Of course. You yeah. have to keep us updated from time to time. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll let you know if the Kickstarter succeeds. How's that? That's <laughs> update. There you go. There you go. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank have you. Good night. Thank good you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Do I exit? <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect exit. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, oh, man. So that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like hearing it from someone that's trying to, you know, figure it out and you're yeah. having to figure it out as you go. I mean, that's, that's super cool. That was pretty awesome. That was really awesome. I know, like I said, I wanted to be a comic book, uh, like – you know, in, in elementary school, second and third grade, they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I I said I wanted to be a superhero, and I don't think that that didn't change until, I believe, like seventh grade. And I was like, wait a minute. Superpowers aren't really real. So what I'm going to do is be a scientist because those guys usually turn into superheroes. Okay, got it. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. Math is not my strong suit. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> so that's when I was like, yeah, I want to be a, a, an artist. And okay, I may not be able to be a comic book, a, a superhero, but maybe I could come up with them um, or draw them and things like that. And that's when I was like, yeah, I want to be a comic book artist. And my mom was like, absolutely not. You're going to be a lawyer. And I was just like, okay, I guess that's what I'm going to do because you're my mom and you're telling me what's right. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Well, again, that was that was a very informative interview. I'm glad we got a chance to to talk with Martin. I feel bad for screwing his name up, but that's what happens when I can't read my own chicken scratch. Good thing he uh, he knew how to write his own name in his box, right? <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> Maybe if I was a better host, I would pay attention to your boxes. <laughs> right at Kyle Kane. <laughs> gotta have the middle name in there. You gotta. I mean, even though I don't, but hey, look, I know what you got to do. <laughs> I'm over here getting the business from Corbin for replacing him. Hey, look, everybody loves chocolate. Sometimes you want dark chocolate. Sometimes you want melted chocolate. Let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But all right. So uh, let's go ahead and kick off some of our, our show tonight now. 
Um, do you guys, you guys already kind of talked about it a little bit more. Do you want to talk a little bit more about uh, how the Todd McFarlane thing went last weekend? And yeah, I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, right I'm seeing a car. I'm walking through the middle of the parking lot, and fucking, who the fuck is driving by? But this guy right here. I. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> He's like, what's up, dude? And I was like, nothing. Just gonna get some comic signs. So <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pretty cool experience. Um like I brought the baby there. We brought the baby there, and <laughs> my girl and the baby were not really too fond of standing in line in the sun for a couple of hours, but you know what? They stuck with it and they were there to support me. And that was pretty awesome. I had to give a big shout out to Chad for being fucking seventh in line. <laughs> Man. For being like, you know, you could just stand here with me and come in. And I was like, at first I was like, no, 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 no. I can't do that to the, to the two and a half hours of people behind me. And then I was like, yeah, 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 I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not going to get nothing signed. And I was like, you know what? And then, and then, you know, Chad was like, Corbin couldn't make it. Yeah. You knew that, but I'm telling everybody, everyone out there, Corbin couldn't make it. So nope. I was standing there and, and Chad Seems was like awesome. Corbin can't Chad. make a lot of things lately. <laughs> but you know our awesome you know awesome chad out there that listens to us and that you know that i know he's a cool dude he actually brought the book that corbin wanted to get signed he's like hey i'm gonna you know todd was like he was like i hope before they had announced you know like they really got strict they're like it said one prior but he was like well maybe i could tell him the story about the water heater and maybe he'll feel bad and he'll want to sign the book for Corbin. <sighs> and I was like, oh, you know what? I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'll just stand in line and I'll get that book signed for him. There we go. And then Brian was like, oh, fuck it. We'll get your other, uh, you know, book signed. But we we're like, so we didn't, I didn't tell Corbin that's what we were doing. No. At all. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> so we got it signed and we're hanging out and I'm taking, you know, taking pictures of Chad with it. And he's like, Fuck, you know, Corbin's work is right down the street. I'm gonna go run it to him. Oh yeah, tell me that. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, that'll be cool. We'll get a kick out of that. Mm -hmm. But he had, I had, you know, like Todd McFarland had walked down the line and he had taken everybody's picture. Oh gosh, you got a picture with him, right? No, he uh, actually stopped taking pictures right, like probably one one family or one group ahead of me and I was getting my phone ready and I had the baby and I was like turning. I was like, okay, so the sun's over there. So this will get good. Like, this will be awesome. And then he was like, all right. And then he went to the back of the line and started again. And I was just like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so uh, I, what I did was I took my picture of Todd McFarlane for everybody out there. And I said, I'm going to mess with Corbin because he's such an awesome dude. Mm -hmm. I just, he can't be left out. <laughs> so what I did was I knew he was at work and I knew he'd really appreciate this. Oh, man. So, that, so I got my picture with Todd McFarlane. And uh, so I said, you know what? 
I'm going to go ahead and uh, send that bad boy to Corbin. <laughs> I think he needs to uh, he needs to see that. So what he did was so to everybody out there, both of you guys I know listen to right now are friends with me on Facebook, but this is the picture I took with Todd. <laughs> so I sent it to my buddy Corbin. Corbin sends me back this pretty awesome pic. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I'm going to have to show Todd this. This is just too funny. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, Todd, I'm getting this signed for a buddy of mine. How this comics got ruined because he for some reason wanted to put him next to a water heater and the water heater broke. He said, oh, man, that sucks to hear. And I was like, I just want to let you know that I sent him our picture of happiness and he sent me this. <laughs> and he said, oh, my God, can I take a picture of that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. What do you want a picture of? He's like, the whole thing, the happiness of the party and the guy that couldn't make it in the after party. <laughs> He's like, Who's? <laughs> so Todd pulls his phone up and he snaps a picture of it and I was like yeah, I just want to let you know that Todd picture, took a picture of this he's like of you I said nope of this <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah it was awesome that's great <laughs> another awesome thing too that happened there at Todd McFarlane was um, so you know his wife Wanda edited the first three issues of Spawn. She's yeah. the editor. So our buddy Gabe, that's with us. Shout out to Gabe. Um, he was Wanda was kind of standing there and hanging out, and he said, and he he's done this for the last time we met Todd McFarlane. Um, Wanda was there, and he he had Wanda sign his Spawn number one, and he goes. She goes, hey, will you sign this? And she signed it. And then Chad was sitting next to us. We were having a drink at the bar. I was. Nobody else was. Um, I had a few drinks at the bar. But she was like, do you know why I only did the first three issues? And we were like, why? So there's a scene. There's a, there's a splash page in Spawn 4 where, like, it's like the dude's kind of getting pulled back and his fingers are getting cut off. And he's kind of like uh like restrained a little bit and she didn't like it because like the kidnapping thing was going on and um, like that was really big like news at the time and stuff she's like i don't think you should publish it i think you should change it and he's like i'm not going to and they got in an argument um, so she tells a story she quits he tells a story he fired her <laughs> perspective is key <laughs> oh man so yeah she said so she won't so she stopped editing his book so and then she's like you want to hear another story about Todd and we're like but of course we do <laughs> if you're going to sit here and be awesome and tell us stories we want to hear the stories mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's awesome hearing the stories from the side of the wife because you know how women have such a cool interpretation about and, and have how it went. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like if it was a guy that would have told this story, it would have been two sentences. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe not even two, but she, you know, she told this long story, but what she was telling us is 
you know, she jabbed at Todd a little bit because he's always late for everything. So he had to catch a plane to L.A. So going to catch the plane to L.A., he was running late, so he just sped out the door real quick. Well, he was in the car, and he realized that he forgot his shoes. <laughs> so, so he was like, okay, I guess, you know, he called, you know, he was talking to her, and he was like, well, I guess when I get to L.A., I'll just have to buy another pair of shoes before I get to my, my meetings and stuff. And he had a, he had a, had a bunch of stuff booked there. So he gets there. And there's a driver there for him and whisks him away. He didn't have time to get shoes. Yeah. So he's going to all these meetings in his socks. <laughs> he didn't have any shoes. He oh, walked man. around L.A. all day. He went to all these meetings. He did all this stuff. And by the time he could get shoes, he was like, oh, forget it. I'm getting on the plane. So he got back on the plane with those shoes. And he flies back. Oh, my gosh. Like, how cool is that? I don't know. Like, that's just cool that uh, – <laughs> Like up at a Circle K and get some flip flops or something. <laughs> no, like it just. I guess everything was got rushed and everything got pushed, and he oh. just. It was just meeting time, and he just he just had to go to all these meetings with those shoes on. Dang. Well, shout out, shout out to Todd. Exactly. That's how you know he's like really in it. Like he, he's ride or die. Like let's go. I guess yeah. I can do. I don't need shoes. I just need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to see my shoes. They want to. They want fucking the books. Exactly. Man, that's um that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. It, like uh, it's been a while since I've been able to like talk about comics like this. Um, because you know, everybody's busy and everybody's working on their career, then we we have uh, you know a, a little baby now and things like that, and your perspective has changed. But when you talk about this, you you, you get you, you sip that cup of passion again. You're like, man, I, I remember how good this tastes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, nah, the Tom McFarland signing was fucking, it was super cool. It was, everything about it was just a great time. Like, you know, Brian and I were going there. We were like, all right, we're going to go there. We're going to get the exclusives. And we're gonna fucking split. I got so much stuff signed by Todd McFarlane. You know, I there was I didn't want to get any. I was cool with not getting anything signed. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, I've got toys signed, comics signed. I mean, posters. I mean, and uh, so we were like, and then once we got there, and the vibe there was so fucking cool. Yeah. And like you know what? Like right when I got there, I run into Chad. Nope, actually. Right when I get there, I run into you. <laughs> Four more steps, I run into Chad. You know what I mean? And then just the whole time we're there, and then you know, and then our buddy Gabe comes up, and then we're just running into these people that you know. It's it's just a ton of fun. Because, nope. And we get to we got to walk around, and we got to mingle, and it was, you know, and just as we're sitting there too, the line's getting longer and longer and longer yeah. and longer and longer and long. It's like it's just and it's awesome to see how awesome it is that people will just line up to see Todd McFarlane yeah it's it definitely it reminds you that like this is still this is still relevant this 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 whole idea of these physical these physical doors to these these 
awesome worlds are still relevant. You know, they still matter and people are like still really like, oh my God, you know, and it's, it's cool when I see, um, when I see parents there with their kids and, um, and like we were talking about before, just like trying to pass on that, that, uh, that sense of like love for these, for this medium. I was telling, uh, I was telling some people online, and I was telling, uh, I was telling Brian and stuff too. I said, you know, thinking about it, I don't think I would be sitting here right now tonight on this podcast if it wasn't for Todd McFarlane. <laughs> because what you know, and I've told the story on the podcast numerous times. Since I was standing in line when he had his store here on the West Side, mm-hmm. he did a signing. And so I was like, I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to show up two hours before. And there was a contest. First person in line got like thousand dollars or something worth of the Todd McFarlane toys, different toys. Yeah. So I was like, oh crap, you know, I'm going to get there early. So I got there at like, I don't know, like two o'clock and I got there like two o'clock in the morning. And there's these, and there's fucking people in front of me. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was. So I was standing there, and I'm just, you know, and it's cold. It's probably like the coldest night Phoenix had in you like can help years. Us it was like in November. You can make America whole. And uh, we, America we were standing outside waiting. It's two o'clock in the morning. And I remember it was like, it was like 31 degrees. Oh my god! And I'm just sitting oh. there, and I'm fucking freezing, and I'm like. And I'm talking, and the guy behind me was like, hey, uh, where's a good place to get comic books? And I was like, oh, you know, there's a comic book store a couple miles down the road drawn to comics. You know, you probably want to check it out, you know. Shout out to Ken. Pretty nice store. Ken Brown's cool dude. And then fucking this dude who was covered up the entire time I was there, and he had like this heater thing blowing up into his blanket. (laughs) He fucking drops his... He drops his blanket. He looks at me. He's like, I thought you were familiar. It was a guy named Joshua that part-time worked at the store. And so that I had kind of known him from just going in there on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I met him and I met Gabe because Gabe, he came to come hang out with our buddy Gabe. Mm -hmm. And then, so I got there and we were talking and talking and talking. And then I started hanging out with Joshua and then... Joshua lived with Matt. They lived together. Okay. So we started hanging out with everybody. And then that's when they were like, we're doing a podcast. You want to be the guy under the stairs. Mm. And then that, so, I mean, like, I guess I almost have to thank Todd McFarlane for it. <laughs> What's going on, gents? Howdy. What's going? Oh, craziness. You're talking about uh, the Alamo Draft House nuts? Yeah. How crazy was that? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. How you doing, Adonis? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Good. Uh, I thought some Kyle said, were you, uh, were you there at the same time we were there, man? Yes, I was. Oh, I didn't see you. I, I He was the guy I was talking to in the car. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got in and got out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Smart. Oh man! Would you get signed? Did you get anything signed? Uh yes. Um, actually, do you, do you want to see? Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay. All right. Hold on. 
I uh, I I pulled down uh, one of the sets on eBay because I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna send these off to CGC and get them graded. <sighs> so I was thinking about that, but then I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to part with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got issue 300 signed by Todd. Very nice. And the whole crew. So very um, cool. And then, um, oh, my girl. Ooh. That one side. That's fucking nice. nice. Yep. So that's my favorite Todd McFarlane cover, I think. I man, that was the um, when they did the um, uh, Marvel Zombies, and they did the cover where he was a zombie in the same pose. I was like, oh my god, I know that pose, and this is amazing. That was like the perfect pose um, and setup to choose to uh, to redo a cover and stuff like that. And ever since then, like, I got this as a Christmas Christmas gift because I couldn't find it anywhere. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I was just like, yes, I got it, finally. Thank you. And once I found out about Todd, once he posted that, I was like, yeah, definitely this one. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I collect, you know, like most people collect, you know, the homage covers, like, uh, there's people that just love the uh, Spider-Man three, Amazing Spider-Man three hundred. So they collect all those homages. I collect uh, the homages for that one, for that Spider-Man one. And there's some really, really like under the radar homages to that book that come up so rare and that just sell for ridiculous amounts. Uh, there's like this one called Scatterbrain that uh, you never ever see. I was lucky to get enough to get one um, when they first came out. I wish I'd have bought a couple, but. It's just a normal book. It's not a variant, like a crazy variant. I think it was like a, a A, B, and C variant, but not like a one in 25 or something. Huh. And those sell for ridiculous amounts, you know, a couple hundred dollars when they come up. Word. So, um, yeah, uh, I like those uh, those covers. And, you know, that Spider-Man uh, number one platinum variant was uh, one that I, I had him sign and sent off to get graded. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I just I just hate the fact that it's so hard to get uh, um, authenticated slabs with him, you know, because yeah. he only does it a couple times a year. Uh, you got to go to somebody and ship him off. And it's... That, that event was really cool, the way that they pulled it off. Um, I've, Matt, you've been to the Alamo Draft House before? Yeah. Yeah, I figured because you do the movie stuff so often, I never even knew about that place. That place is fucking cool. That yeah. place is awesome. Uh, I remember they opened one up in Tempe, and I was like, whoa, what is this? And then I was like, there's a bar? Yes. Yeah, yeah. and good food. Yeah. Other than the, the shit that Kyle got. The chili place? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't get those from Animal Draft House. <laughs> they, they serve it to you while you're watching your movie, and yep. it's good to go. Yep. I mean, it was cool though. I mean, like I, I was having a whiskey coke and I was listening to Todd McFarlane's wife tell stories. I mean, like that was nuts. Yeah, I already told those. You weren't here. Sorry, buddy. That was crazy, bro. That's cool. I didn't even know. Like, I mean, I, I knew her name was Wanda, but I didn't know that she was the editor of the first three books. That was kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, Wanda. Yeah, and uh, the back of uh, I, I'm not sure it was one of the two exclusives. The back cover has um, he says, you know, uh, Spawn number one, and he's holding his baby, and then it says Spawn 301, and she's you know 
you know, a, a doctor now or something. Oh, when they show yeah. I think yeah. that on his Instagram. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, if, if uh, you got one of those signed, you have to send it off to. Is that it? Well, no. something oh. is on the YouTube on our oh. YouTube feed. Um. So, anyways, yeah, that was a fun event. It was cool. It was cool to meet Chad too. Big shout out to Chad, man. I had a really good time with him. Um, it was really cool to see the pictures too. I didn't expect those pictures to show up on on their feed. You know. Yeah, um, that was cool. I mean, we were one of the first people he took a picture of, though. That's cool. How cool was it too? That I mean, you probably already talked about this, but him walking up and down the line and taking selfies with everybody. What yeah. a fucking class act! What a difference between him and you know Rob Liefeld. Like, it's right. so amazing. Huh. I remember hearing some things about Rob Liefeld, and I didn't really. I didn't really go into it because I was just like, ah, this is probably like, you know, people are talking. So it's what else. Um, and, but then I keep hearing, I keep hearing it. So, okay. That's my best friend you're talking about. So watch what you say. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what's the deal with him? Like what, what? Bottom line, he's a douchebag, an arrogant douchebag. Hmm. Like big time. I mean, we all have stories, like different stories of just how ridiculously stupid he is. Well, I'm sure I'm sure you know the collective where all of us except for Brian are blocked by him. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> trying to keep keep my uh my my channels open. <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere because I don't care about it, but I just uh, I wasn't getting blocked that night. That's that's crazy. Like, but I proudly wear my block by Liefeld shirt. Poser, poser. I think it's one of the best shirts out there, and uh, I'm glad to po be a poser in that shirt. I hope everybody buys that shirt. I, I just really wish that we could have done, an, you know, that uh, interview at San Diego yeah, with right. uh, Matt walking in with that shirt on. Block by Liefeld shirt. <sighs> yeah, and and you know. If you watch those uh, image documentaries, you can tell that all the other guys just don't like him. He was very arrogant. Remember he did that uh, guest jeans commercial or something like that? Man, I yeah. don't remember that. And his art, I mean... You, you've never seen know. the guest jeans commercial? I don't think so. Just uh, go on YouTube uh, when we're done. And yeah. It's uh, really cheesy, man. Oh, God. Yeah, you but, Google it his art there is something about his art and i hate to say it like some of his art i i really like i really liked uh, when i was younger i was a huge cable fan growing up yeah i look at it now and i can't believe i liked it back then but <laughs> i mean cable's badass now because cool artists draw him but yeah. um some of his art was was good i mean not a lot of it you know very rare that his art was good but you know, there's a couple pieces that he did some good stuff with, and uh, I forgot the most important part of the Todd McFarland signing. Chad brought it up. What's that? Todd let us in on a little secret. Oh, when we were there. Yes, I have pictures. Let me, let me bring up a picture. I got the picture of that. All of his ideas are from Brian. He yeah. told us about the video. Yeah. All of his best ideas came from Brian. <laughs> so just All to right. let you know that. 
<laughs> just just yeah. because Adonis hasn't seen this, I'm gonna play it on the podcast. Oh, yeah. hell it's, yeah! It's worth the copyright. We're gonna get oh. one anyway. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Let's see if it'll let me include the audio here. Um, let me stop sharing and reshare again. Share oh gosh, audio. <laughs> oh gosh. Here we go. Okay. So how long have you been drawing comic books? So I was about seven years old, little kid. What'd your parents think about it? They hated it. They hated it. Oh, yeah. After I, I got a job and they saw that you can make a living out of third day, you'll hear no complaints anymore. And you created X-Force? Mm -hmm. So what is this drawing on? This is the Spike Man. And what's this right here? This is the camera on top of your head that will record the wrongdoings of others. So Rob, have you had any formal art training? No. Just uh, a lot of imagination, I think. Wait, so, so I say it and then look down? Or just open it and say it? Fly button? Levi's. So here you go, Kyle. I'll let you go ahead and tell a story. But uh, Matt, uh, that's uh, I think that's what you were going to talk about, right, Kyle? Oh, why is it showing my screen and not yours? Mm -hmm. That's weird, right? <laughs> I don't know why it's not sharing my screen. I thought. Uh, just hold on, there we go. Let me try this again. Hold on. Try Damn it! Pros. We were doing there so well. There it goes. Yes. So another shout out to Chad for this. I can't believe I never heard of it, and it was really cool to have him ask the man right on the spot and have him answer it like it was yesterday. I remember this. Oh my gosh. What was it, Kyle? Uh, so every image comic that came out for that same month that Spawn, that Spawn issue did, had that green sleeve in it. Yeah, there was uh, seven uh, titles. Brigade, number two. Savage Dragon, number three. Spawn, number four. Youngblood, number ten. Cyber Force, number one. Star Shadowhawk, number one. And Wildcats, number two. <gasps> I had Shadowhawk number one, and I remember seeing that. And here's the best part about it. Like, Chad was really searching for one, two, and three with the green um, sleeve because he had heard a rumor that one, two, and three had them. And it wasn't every book that had them. Only some books had them, which was crazy. Um, so Chad had been looking for years for one, two, and three with the green sleeve. So he walked up to Todd and I forget exactly how the conversation went. Do you remember, Kyle? Mm -mm. It was something along the lines, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying to collect this. Can you tell me about it? And Todd was like, yeah, it, you know, it only came out that month um, for those books. And it just it cleared up of this big, huge thing that Chad had been searching for years. And luckily, he doesn't have to search for him anymore. But, uh, you know, when Chad showed us this book in the beginning, he pulled out Spawn number four. And I'm thinking in my head, like, why do you like? why do you want to get spawn number four signed? You know what I mean? And it had a couple uh, spine ticks. It was in good condition. It had a couple spine ticks, but, and then he dropped that knowledge on us. And I was just blown away because I'd never heard about this. And CGC actually notates it in the, the in, in the Kias, uh, on the top. So, um, and here's the best part that I found out later uh, that, the only way you could get that image comics number zero is to pull out that green sleeve in every book that month. 
and you had to find it and it was only in random books so it was hard to find and you had to have the green sleeve from every single one of those books to get image comics number zero so image comics number zero was a tough book to find so look for it i guess Hmm. yeah you had to buy seven books to get one and search for them too because they not all of them had them and that's that's if you were like yeah i'm not planning on collecting this so if you were planning on collecting this you're buying you're buying 14 books yeah (laughs) and and that's funny that you say that Adonis, because at that time if i remember correctly like image was the first time that i really remember um my friends who were comic guys that were buying three copies one to read you know one to put away and another to put away even farther you know for the future and like you know college fund shit yeah that that time period was that that craziness where everybody was specking on a, a super high level yeah i feel like it, because that's when i started to i guess pay attention more to to, to comics in that in that realm i was i was watching cartoons and i was playing with action figures and stuff i had my spawn action figure where the cape folded in like this and then you folded it back out man i love that and then i had the um i forgot what was his name tremor the was, yeah yeah <laughs> had that one too and i wanted overkill but my mom was like no i don't like the way he looks i no, we're not getting that i was like come on <laughs> But um, you know, I had when I started when I started with that image, image. Uh, I mean, uh, Spawn number one, and I had like I think up till, I think I had up till like issue twenty something, um, uh, one through issue twenty something, and I would like flip through those so many times and just try to copy what I was seeing, just copy it, sitting there drawing this over and over and over again. That was the thing that I drew so much when I was a kid, Spider Man. And Spawn. And like once I saw Spawn, I was like, okay, comics are actually they're not just for kids. They can be so much more than that. They're they're that they're gonna be something cool. And then yeah. Spawn, then Spawn the movie came out. I was like, oh pff, bet. I went there with my um with my action figure where his cape folded in like this, but then it opened up in the wings. I had that um I brought that with me and <laughs> comics and I went to see the movie and my mom took me to the movie and she was like, are you sure you want to bring that? I'm like, yeah, I want them to know like that. I, I know about this from before the movie came out you know? <laughs> and, and like, I'm a little kid watching this movie thinking this is the coolest thing I've ever seen, you know, watching spawn fly through the city with his living Cape. That's uh, the best part about spawn to me was his Cape. Yeah. That was so I was so sick, and I think that's what like, because because he Todd changed the game with Spider Man and his webbing. Like he made the webbing do what it does now. Like that's why well, the webbing does it. He also knew where he was going with the Spawn Cape stuff way before in that Batman cover. Oh I mean, yeah, that, that Batman cover. That's Spawn's cape. Yeah, yeah. But you see, he posted on Facebook that his drawings from high school. Yeah. Of Spawn, and he had the cape. Yeah, <laughs> like I, he said, the the cape was like there from the get go. Man, and and that's that's there's always there's always that 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 one thing that's that's about a character that's just like oh man. I think I I think there's two um, character or comics that really created a ton of artists, comic book artists, and that's um, 
Spawn slash Todd McFarlane Spawn slash Spider Man. I'll keep consider that one, you know. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was like the thing that every kid was drawing when those came out. Oh my god, that that is that's truth. Because I remember my parents taking me to the movies and watching that, and. I would come home and get my Crayola box and I would draw Michelangelo kicking all the time because my mom's like, you're like Michelangelo. I was like, but I want to be Leonardo because he has swords. She's like, but you're like Michelangelo because you're crazy. <laughs> I remember I did a, a comic book when I was in elementary school with my buddy and it was we just the rapper? Ninja Turtle. Uh, close. <laughs> I, I wish, dude. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> I'd have kept that sucker. I'd send that sucker into CGC. The rapper is awesome. Uh, all right. But, well, kind of switching gears here from all the, the Todd McFarlane spawn talk. Not that it's not interesting, but um, we have a lot of topics to to kind of cover ground here. So, uh, Kyle, one of the things I know Kyle wanted to talk about this week is uh, his his love interest from Supernatural getting arrested for assault. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Winchester, baby. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. I love Supernatural. <sighs> if we get a copyright strike because I say I love Supernatural again, so fuck, so be it. Is that really what caused it? What's that? The, the copyright? Oh, I don't know. But oh, that would be great. How how much of this do you think that the show ending is him just being like his life is now in shambles? <laughs> dude, dude, walk Texas Ranger now. I mean, like, yeah, I guess. Dude, he is at the pinnacle of his career. But he's like, I mean, TMZ's got him flashing money around and putting like his his assistant in a chokehold and like, hey, good for him, man. Live it up. Is this right. is this his Britney phase? Like, is he going in there and then he's got to like redo himself and re 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 uh, like showcase himself and rebrand himself and say look I've, I've gone through a lot you know after supernatural it was kind of a hard time you know it was i didn't really hard uh, time still in the last season they're barely even finished he doesn't even have time to like grieve over it yet look he's going he's going through an emotional you know depression because he know it's ending Ch <laughs> apparently chess it was his own bar he was yeah, the owner of the bar and arrested drunk for assaulting an employee in his own bar he assaulted two employees he did he did the general manager and a bartender yep and they said even better i was like what why would you do I'm that? Your bitch and i'm rich <laughs> the motherfucking money he was just part he, <laughs> he was just practicing his walker moves <laughs> <laughs> instead of roundhouses he's gonna throw everyone in headlocks mm. I think it's great, man. Walker doesn't say he has AIDS, and it's all right. Oh my god, that's that's ridiculous. I'm like, okay, why though? <laughs> like, are you that drunk that you're just angry? Like, well, apparently, apparently he's a he's a known drinker because there's like a whole subreddit like to to this dude's drinking and pictures of him <laughs> drinking. Dude, you're constantly on the road fighting demons and vampires and werewolves and ghosts. Dude, <laughs> it takes a fucking toll on your psyche, man. Dude, you have to have a fucking way to cope. So, dude, this guy has died and gone to hell. <laughs> fucking, dude, Lucifer was inside of him, dude. You don't think that causes drinking problems? What do you mean by inside of him? He possessed him. 
He molested him. If you don't think that fucking Lucifer being inside you and possessing you after a stint in fucking hell, you're not going to have a few drinks and get a little rowdy and beat someone up? Can we use different uh, terminology other than inside of you? Because I think it's confusing to our viewers. (laughs) Inside of them. (laughs) No, so I, I get it, man. I get it, man. His mom died because of him. His dad died. Michael says, I bet he shouted, do you know who I am at least once? <laughs> I'm Sam fucking Winchester. That's what I would have said. You know who my dad is? My dad's fucking Negan. <laughs> oh, I'm, the, I'm the new walker, bitch. Right? You know who's Texas Ranger? This fucking guy right here. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking put you in a headlock, bitch. I would Dude, laugh if, as they're arresting him. He was like, I'm a police officer. <laughs> I'm a Texas <laughs> Ranger. Ranger. <laughs> Dude, it would have been cooler if he was wearing his badge. <laughs> the eyes of the Ranger are upon you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one, he would have been. He would have had two. He would have had four bonds to to have to uh, post and stuff like that. Uh, because impersonating a police officer right there. That's. <laughs> it's not impersonating when you're Sam Winchester. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. You, I forgot that it, Satan was inside of him. Uh, mm. <laughs> inside of him. <laughs> <laughs> And not from the rear. <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right. We're taking different angles at this. Okay, I get you. <laughs> Grizzle Geek says hey. Devil was inside of him once, but it was only in college and he needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least he admits it. <laughs> hey, man. If I saved the world as many times as Sam Winchester did, you'd let the devil rear you? I, I let the devil inside me too. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was crazy just to have a you know um, a music battle with the devil, but now we're we're talking a whole lot of different things right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. sighs> Saying what he's gone through, <laughs> so it makes God. it okay to be a bl- drunken, bel- a belligerent idiot. Dude, I'm just saying it takes a soul. It just takes a it takes a it takes a, a lot out on your psyche, man. You gotta cope somehow. That's all it, I'm takes, saying. it takes your soul to save some souls. Takes but. a soul to save some souls. And the dude was in hell. Jesus, man. You don't think you'd be wanting to pound some back too? Come on, man. I think it was because he was pissed off that his brother from the show showed off his dope ass Batman costume for Halloween and he was like, You're gonna be Batman and I've gotta be fucking Walker Texas Ranger. Like he that's gonna be Batman beat this motherfucker up and be on TMZ. <laughs> and when did this happen? was this last night? No, this is earlier this week. Yeah, earlier oh, this week. Okay, I was gonna say if this was last night then yeah, that's no. <laughs> you have the video Matt? Yeah, I, I can pull it up. Let's play it. You want me to play the video? devil inside? The devil inside. Sam Winchester has the devil inside. Oh man! <laughs> so is he really gonna be uh, Walker Texas Ranger, or was he just dressed up as him? Oh no, he's no, he's really Walker Texas Ranger. He's playing Walker Texas Ranger. So they're redoing it. Yeah. Oh, with Sam fucking Winchester. Yeah. 
Let me get no away more. from the, that so we don't get copyright, but let's do this. Wait, you're porn? Yep. <laughs> all porn all the time. All porn all the time. <laughs> oh, God. That's an MMA level headlock right there. Yeah. You can tell they're super drunk. Oh, dude. Right here, dude. He's got that Negan <laughs> lean. He's got the Negan lean going, bro. Negan is his dad. Birds of a feather flock together. Oh, my God. What do you mean Negan's his dad? In the show, um, the dude who plays Negan is his dad. Oh, <laughs> look how wasted he is, dude. Counting his money. He's, oh, I love that wasted man. When you're at an angle. Like, unless you're slinging dope, like, why do you have that much cash on you right now? Like, he owns a bar, man. Yeah. He probably, he probably went into the register and was like, give me all that cash. I'll show them. I need, I need a return on my residuals. <laughs> Shit is awesome. It's so awesome. Oh, God. I'm going to need to get the car, man. I'm going to count my Benjamins. <laughs> Someone ran up to him and was like, you're going to jail. You're going to need this to get bonded out. <laughs> if you pass that on to me, I will bond you out. Don't even worry about it. Just wait for me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Dude, that's awesome. Fucking Texas Ranger, bitch. <laughs> <sighs> uh, and then, so... Kind of moving on to uh, another topic that I know is close to Brian, and I'm glad he's here to talk about this. The uh, producers and creators of the Game of Thrones HBO series, who are teaming yep. up with Close. Disney for Star Wars, have pulled out of their planned Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. So they you were know, they were in him, right? Yeah, they, they were in out. him. They were in him, and then they pulled out. They were in the mouse, and then pulled out of the house. You know, I'm not surprised because, uh, you know, so many people have been kicked off that, sh you know, like the, a movie that they've been doing or writing a script. And, you know, really good creators have been, you know, handed the reins. And basically, the, uh, once they're handed the reins, they're told you can do everything but this, 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 this. And then basically you can have full creative, but you can't do this, 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 this. So, yeah, of course they're not going to do it, you know. You can't give people like that um, safety safety wheels or whatever, you know. They, they can't tell them, hey, uh, you guys are like Picasso-level artists, but you got to color within the lines, you know. Do you think the last so, season of Game of Thrones and the fan reaction had anything to do with that? Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't think so. I think that chick is crazy. That chick that, the, uh, that they have um, tasked for running the Star Wars universe. Uh, I forget her name. Um, Kathleen or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kathleen Kennedy or I, I don't know. Yeah, her name. yeah, she's a nut. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I I think that they should like kind of. Me personally, I think that they should uh, have a, a pause on the cinematic aspect for Star Wars and go into like a Kotor um, uh, series or something like that. That would be super dope. That's what they were supposed to be doing, though, and that's what pisses me off so bad. I was looking forward to that so much, man. That well, they, been. they said that their their trilogy was going to be focusing on the the upcoming and the lore of the Jedi Order, which is Kotor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it would have been the exact trilogy that, you know, was in KOTOR. So, uh, 
man, it looked really, really promising. But you can't, like I said, you can't give people who um, spend their time creating stuff like that. Uh, you can't give them a certain set of rules they have to abide by. And they just got what, like two hundred fifty million dollars from Netflix to create Netflix TV shows. You know, you can't. Once you have that, you can't say, "Nah, now nah, you can't. You can't do you know what you originally wanted to do. Now you got to do what we tell you. You got to do." It's like I think what what I think what's gonna ha- what has to happen is for everyone for them to get the reactions. From the Mandalorian before they start taking that more seriously. Before they're like, you well, know, maybe they had they had the right idea. Maybe they were on the right path. Well, let's let's revamp this and see what we see if we can come to a common the common ground. Mandalorian's going to be good. I really think it is because they yeah. haven't they haven't closed the door on working with them in the future. They're just saying this project didn't work out. We we might revisit something at a later date, and we are not closed out with working with them in the future. So Adonis might be onto something. Well, you know, um, the Mandalorians. Did you guys see the newest trailer with Bill Burr? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, that was hilarious, man! I saw a picture, but I haven't seen the new trailer. I saw a picture, and I was like, "What? What? What is old Billy Freckleface doing over there?" <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys hear how he got that? He hates no. Star Wars too, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he doesn't hate it. He just never watched it or anything. Yeah. He wasn't into it, and. Um, I think the story, if I'm if not not mistaken, uh, he would, ran into John Favreau or something, and John Favreau was you know with him and was like, "Dude, you would be a really funny like bounty hunter. You should do it." <laughs> and Bill Burr's like, "Eh, you know, I'm not a Star Wars guy." And Bill, uh, John Favreau's like, "Even better, you know, that makes it even better. You'll you'll come off the screen really well." Mm-hmm. And that is perfect, a perfect role for Bill Burr, just to be you know like a. Uh, a bounty hunter that's always, you know, giving people shit and, uh, you know, just a pain in the ass. Yes. I, I listen to his podcast all the time. I, I watch his specials. Um, FS for Family is awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. I've I, I liked Bill Burr for a long time, so I, I like the way he sounds, like the just his voice. And then he's making fun of himself and his whole entire community, like like where he came from and stuff like that. Oh, Billy Freckleface Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love – one of his um, jokes, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but when he told it, it was like, uh, you know, that that a moment, that ah moment where you're like, I do that all the time. But it was something along the lines of like, you know, when you're in the shower in the morning and you start thinking of shit that you've done in your life that embarrasses you and you just go, fuck, you know, like, <laughs> just like, God damn it, man. Oh, man. But kind of, kind of keeping with uh, talking about Kathleen Kennedy. It was announced. It came out today that even though Kevin Feige is moving over to be run the Star Wars division, they have no plans on replacing her. Do you think that's a good or bad thing? They need to replace her. You got to get rid of her. I, th- I I was hoping that was why they got Kevin Feige over there. But do you think that he would actually make – he would uh, change the game? Like do you think he would really change the game if, if she if she's not a part of this and it's just basically well, his umbrella? If you listen to the insiders, one of the things the insiders say is that Kathleen Ketty's still stuck in like the old school. Uh, perfect example. One of the things that they said is that she has it constantly going back to Lawrence Kasdan. And listen, I'm a, a big fan of Lawrence Kasdan. Like Empire's – 
probably my favorite Star Wars. Um, Empire is a lot of people's favorite Star Wars. And that was Lawrence Kasdan, if I remember correctly, he he did a big part of the writing on that. And he did, didn't he direct that also? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but he had a big part in that. And she is always going back to Lawrence Kasdan and asking him, like, is this okay? Is this okay? And Listen, that guy is, he's old. Like, <laughs> breathe some new blood in this series. Like, that was the whole thing. We were excited about, you know, the Skywalker saga ending and and. Did you see? I don't know if it's real or if it's a fake. I think it, it, it's fake. It's a fake um, trailer about Obi Wan Kenobi. Did you guys see that, or is that real? I didn't see that. It's a um, it's a like a fan made trailer where he's walking in the desert and he's trying to search out um, Qui Gon. But like, do shit like that if you want to play on the old saga stuff. Do cool shit like that. Do the Mandalorian stuff, I you know, and do the the different stories. But you got to breathe some new blood into this. You got to yeah. there's a lot of really good um, young talented writers that could do some cool stuff. And there's a lot of um, backstory that they can build off of the comics, yep. the, the novels, the video games. Yep. There's oh. so there's so many books out there that um, like my friend introduced me to a lot of them, and then I kind of name Corbin. <laughs> no, this is this is uh, BC before Corbin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, we he just said, "Dude, I love Star Wars so much," and like my brother got my my older brother got me into these books, so I read these all the time. And I was like, "Oh, word! Let me check them out." And I just started listening to these audiobooks. So I'm sitting up there drawing, and I'm like listening to all these and thinking, like, "Damn, this is." This is really cool. How come they don't make comics and movies out of this? These stories, like, okay, the Skywalkers are cool and everything like that, but uh, what yeah. about everybody else? <laughs> I remember the first book um, I read that got that grabbed me into that world was Shadows of the Empire. When Shadows of the Empire, the novel came out, mm-hmm. that, that like they should. I'm surprised they haven't done more stuff based on those characters and that time period. Like, there's so much they can do um that's that's there that they can build off of but again a lot of these young and new creators they want to yeah they want to play in that universe but they want to come up with new stories and well isn't that part of what happened when when marvel or when disney bought the property is they said all right well this is the definitive timeline all these other books and all these other properties they're they're not canon anymore they have nothing yeah to do with this. a lot of people off wow it really piss a lot of people off um but I think that me and you, Matt, kind of talked about it last uh, last show last week, um, where they I think they could be going with you know the the book kind of storyline with the uh, the twins with um, Ray and uh, uh, Kylo Ren being twins like the real Skywalker twins and um, there were some rumors about that happening and uh, you know it, it's probably not likely but. I think it's you know, going to be more likely that Skywalker. it turns out that they're brother and sister or half brother and sister, but not twins. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to uh, – I liked the idea of Revenge of the Sith because I wanted to see a dark, evil Anakin just because Anakin is such a badass. Uh, they, 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 it was really cheesy, though, because they couldn't go very dark because they wanted to – 
you know, to be a kid's movie. Yep. But if you read that book, Revenge of the Sith, the book is so good. And, and Anakin is so dark and uh, it's written really well. So I'm really hoping that we see that happen to Kylo Ren, like, you know, him get really dark and badass. You know, if he's been trained by Luke, he's got to be a badass. It's just got to come out. Well, they with that, like that being said, like how they, they the way this series is come, when it came up and what it's doing and things like that, the audience that it's, it's geared towards, like they could treat it like Harry Potter. You remember, you saw, you remember how Harry Potter was and then it got darker and darker as a good, because it could, the audience grew. So like, Maybe that's possible. Who knows? I don't know if they're going to plan on doing like seven films and stuff like that, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I want more series, though. Like you said, I would rather have more uh, Netflix style shows and yeah. HBO Max style shows than uh, movies. Well, exactly. Now, speaking of HBO Max, since you, you mentioned that funny transition, nice job, mm-hmm. Ryan. That's a funny transition. Oh, he's oh. Fucking Kyle. <laughs> so HBO Max um, has been busy this week pretty much buying up everything. They bought up the rights, the streaming rights to South Park, mm-hmm. where South Park at new episodes will be on uh, HBO Max 24 hours after they air on Comedy Central. They bought uh-huh. up the streaming rights to um, Rick and Morty. They announced that they're developing... I, I with this, with HBO Max, I don't even see a reason for the DC app anymore. They announced that they're making a Green Lantern TV show for HBO Max. Um, they haven't want- said they haven't said Hal Jordan or Jonathan Stewart yet, but talking about making a Green Lantern show for it. Um, Elizabeth Banks is producing a uh, DC superhero high school comedy for HBO Max. So I mean, between Disney Plus and HBO Max, how what? What damage what, do you think it's going to do to like Netflix and Hulu and I think I think Netflix is still going to be very relevant um because we're still going to watch want to watch those types of movies and things like that and they and Netflix has have, has built their own audience and and things like that with the sh- the shows that they do have right now um that being said it's going to be when once these new streaming um uh, venues come out it's going to be Netflix. You're going to, you're going to see it. Netflix and Hulu, they're going to have um, a drop in and traffic and things like that, but that's not going to be forever. I, I don't believe it's going to be forever because Netflix has too much power. Netflix is too ingrained in our, in our mind. I mean, like Netflix and chill. Once you become a meme on Twitter, you're, you're basically in everybody's soul. Like, Hulu and hump. It's like, it's like, exactly. Uber. it's like, it's like Apple. It's like Uber. It's like, that's yeah. what you think of. Yeah, whenever they, you they make that name, exactly. They are they are the action now. That company is the action. Well, so they're not going anywhere. Kyle and I were talking about it earlier this week. It, you know, it's almost like we wouldn't be surprised if in the next four or five years, cable and satellite are non-existent, and everything is streaming, and everything because every company has their own streaming app now. So, but mm-hmm. you're gonna have to subscribe to everyone's app, or maybe. Hulu might have shows from every, you know, everyone's app on there, but everything's going to be go a la carte app based and you're not going to have TV like we know it. Well, if, 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 you know, Comcast, Cox, whoever is smart, then they're not going to be, they're not going to be cable anymore. They're going to be the hubs to holster 
all of these things. So basically they're going to be the new Rokus and they're going to be the, like, Hey, we can hold, we come, if you buy this package, we come with these apps already, uh, you know, uh, in, installed in this and there you go. And then you can add whatever you want. They're basically going to be WordPress. <laughs> well, and I say, what's the point of the DC streaming app anymore when the new season of doom patrol is already, is going to air simultaneously on both the next season of Titans is going to be on both. Like, there's really no reason to even buy the DC streaming app anymore. Yo, like, it's just going to fade away. Between, yeah, between HBO uh, between HBO Max and Disney Plus, your your bases are covered. Pretty much, you know. Like, I I was actually really into Swamp Thing, and when they said that it was canceled, I was pissed because I was like, okay, what is it? Why am I even here? Like, this was actually getting good, and I'm on episode three. You know what I'm saying? Why? Why? Why would you do this? Like, are you going to bring it back? Like, what's the deal? Like, are you going to bring this back somewhere else? Like, what's up? Like, mm -hmm. why am I even here? And Doom Patrol was cool. I liked Doom Patrol. I, I really did. I really enjoyed it. But now, like you're saying, like, what's the point? All these other places are going to be there. And I'm like, when it comes to HBO, like, I don't have any, like, oh, I wonder if they're going to keep going with this show because it's HBO. HBO can do whatever they want to do, right. you know? HBO is, is, is like Netflix. When you think of cable and movies, you think of HBO. I remember sitting up there waiting till my parents went to bed <laughs> to wake up and go back to HBO and Cinemax. So, all, all blurry. and <laughs> Was that a nipple? <laughs> was that a boob? I think it was a boob. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but well, what people, I think, are missed too is that if you, they're, well, they're not so silently doing it, but the big three all have streaming networks now. You got Disney Plus for Marvel, HBO Max, and DC Universe for DC. For DC. And then don't forget, Mark or uh, Netflix, they own a bunch of uh, image properties. They yes. bought all of Millar's catalog. So they're going to be hey, producing. Who has Robert Kirkman. Yeah. No, I thought it was Amazon. Is it Amazon? Bound. So it's, you know, they're, they're all jockeying for these properties. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the the um, amount of, um, of 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 celebration that they that Amazon got from the boys. I mean, oh yeah, mm -hmm. you you know they're like, hey, now we're here to play. Let's uh, let's let's see how much fun we can have. You know, um, yeah. There's everybody has these things, and and that's why I think. Um, I think uh, when it comes to what Martin was saying before, like how hard it is for these independent um, publishing um, uh, publishers to get into the game, like there's so many ideas out there, so many different perspectives that like whenever you see a story that you like in any way, shape or form, you're like, man, I really like this art. I really like this writing. And it's not it's not in everybody's faces and they're not being forced for this storyline. Like grab that junk because you have no idea when that that could be like the next big series you know what i'm saying like it could be the next big movie all these people are making these things out of here who knows when this is gonna when this is gonna phase out but uh i think i think we should definitely pay attention more to these uh these these side stories and the other thing we've always kind of talked about too not only on the show but you know just in the fandom in general is when is the bottom fall out of all this when does it become oversaturated and when does enough become enough and you know, you have Marvel Marvel Studios saying they're dedicated to putting out four Marvel movies a year now. 
moving yep. forward. And now you're going to have all the Marvel TV shows. You're going to have the DC TV shows. And then whatever they're going to do with the DC universe, film universe. And when when is it going to be the oversaturated where the market, where the bottom falls out of all of it? Yeah. I mean... <sighs> Look at all the look at all the movies that came from books. Like look at how many movies Stephen King has just under his belt. You know what I'm saying? Like all the stories. Like uh, what is it? The Dark Tower is getting a series too. Um, like there's so many things that are that are happening. Like as long as I think as long as the medium exists, they, it, there's still going to be a need for it. So. Well, they're taking his books and mashing them together and making books that have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> connect to each other so yeah <laughs> oh man i am excited for that doctor sleep though i i i read that book and i was just like man this is pretty dope i heard grass kings is another book that people are kind of talking about that could be a good show have you guys heard anything about that no yeah i haven't heard anything about like what the what it's about or anything but a lot of people are speculating yeah, yeah i remember when the comics came out Hmm. Jimmy was was buying him up. Uh, Jimmy from Unpressable. Yeah, he, I know he. I think he had like a special uh, store variant on him. So maybe he knew something back then. So hmm. yeah, pay attention to these side stories, man. Like yeah, you never know. I mean, look at uh, you know it's funny. Um, what was it a couple of weeks ago? Monstrous. Everybody was going crazy because the word came out that Monstrous got optioned by HBO and it shot that book through the roof. I mean, I was seeing like second prints of number one going for like, you know, four or five hundred dollars. And uh, then it came out that, yeah, HBO optioned a, a show called Monstrous, but it's not based on the comic. I mean, but the crazy thing is like, that's one of those books that's so good, you know, like Saga. Once they, you know, finally pull the trigger, that, that can be really good, really yeah. good stuff. Yeah, because Saga, Saga could be the next, like, Firefly, pretty much. Yep. I remember picking up Monstrous at the comic book store, and I remember I was at Jesse, Jesse James Comics, and he was like, dude, I'd buy a couple of those if I were you, and I was like, nah, yeah. and I sat <laughs> back down. And I bought fucking my normal dumb books. Walked <laughs> out, and then like not you know by the third I think it was like by the third issue that the first the first issue had exploded in price and Jesse's like told you I was like God damn you. Told <laughs> <laughs> me the same thing with Rick and Morty. Oh yeah, well yeah, said, you should buy this, and I'm like nah, that's right. <laughs> Well, and they just optioned HBO Max. Just op- it came out HBO Max. HBO Max just optioned. Yeah, I can't talk. <laughs> they optioned a pilot for um, DMZ. Yeah. So that book's gonna probably skyrocket too. Yeah. I think. I think as far as like the the Malar stuff goes and the the image properties though. They're they're already producing they're producing Huck and I know that they're producing the other one that him and um what's the name of the book of him and uh Capullo did, Kyle? Oh God. What is the name of that? Reborn. Reborn. Yes. I think I know those two are coming, so I think we'll see Saga after after those I know Sex Criminals was being optioned. 
<laughs> around. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I, I don't really know if they can really do sex criminals. Do you think they could actually do that? HBO. Well, I yeah. heard it was FX. FX was trying to buy up sex criminals. What? Yeah. Well, if they do it, if they do it like Legion, then 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 it could probably work. They'd have to have a lot of things in front of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I liked Legion. <laughs> you liked it. Yeah, that show was fucking crazy. Yeah, I liked it as well. I it was just out in left field, and it just went more and more and more and more. And by the by, this last season, by the end, you're just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> like it was just so out there. You're just like, That's "Fuck, cool. man!" It's just too out there. But it was cool, though. That's well, the point. Man. Oh, are... oh, go ahead, Adonis. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was saying those things are dope. Matt should have raised his hand. I know. My bad. Um, while we're kind of on this topic, I know we talked last week a little bit about Watchmen and the difference between the comic and the show, and you said you're you're liking the, the show? Yes, very much so. I am liking the show, and I'm rereading, I'm rereading uh, Watchmen just to kind of compare and contrast because I want to... I want to remember why Watchmen was so important to the the comic book industry. Why it was so important to the storytelling. How, how these uh, these writers tell stories and things like that. How it changed the way we looked at what a hero was, what a villain was. You know, like what, these blurred lines and things like that, and how it was just pushed that in your face, and how you know how awesome the art, the storytelling, everything. Like, it was so good. Um, and then the show was just coming up here, t- kind of reinstituting that in a different way now, you know, and all the things that are happening in media that's right now, like with us and real life and things like that. It's kind of intertwining that with this whole idea that it rains uh, like squid. <laughs> you know, like, whoa, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it's funny because uh, we forget, like, we all say how amazing that book is, but, like, that book was super wordy. You remember? It was, like, nine panel pages or 12 panel pages and oh, I super remember. wordy and <laughs> had those little pro sections, you know, the, the uh, pirate little prose sections. And, yeah, that book was uh, just a masterpiece. Are people still all pissed about the the um, Rorschach being the whole uh, white supremacist group type thing? Because I know people were kind of pissed about that, and I think that I find that so funny because you know that they're like, I mean, I haven't seen the first two episodes yet. I'm kind of waiting till there's a couple in the can so I can watch all a bunch all in a row. But it kind of I like when they first started talking about that. It made me think of like okay, you know they're just kind of baiting you in those first couple episodes to bring it around because <clears throat> Rorschach was such a character that was based on truth yep. and, and that type of stuff and doing yep. the right thing. Yep. And it's the exact opposite that Rorschach is about. So exactly. you know that there's something that got to come around to where that character is taken back over to mean truth and, and doing the right thing, whether – uh, it's gonna kill you, or, or you know, ki- you know, the the major consequences. Your your actions have consequences, whether they're good or bad. Every action has a consequence, and um, it'll be interesting to see how they play that off. 
That's so, that's so true. I know when I found that, I was like, hmm, that's very interesting. I want to know more. <laughs> and, and you know what? I think it's, I, I kind of think it's funny because that's kind of happening in the society like now. Like you look at some of those groups like the Proud Boys and stuff like that. And uh, they're taking things like um, another thing. The My brother is so angry about this, but, you know, the whole game of doing this, you know. Yeah, and in the little circle, and and they kind of took that over to be like a white supremacist thing, and they kind of take these things over, and I think they're totally playing off of that on the show, um, where it's it's kind of like really uh, irony in such a major way. Yeah, and and that's why I was saying like the the show is doing such a great job of of giving that Watchmen feel to what's going on right here right now. Um, that whole Rorschach, like he was, he was my favorite character from get go. Like you know, and you know, I'm being reintroduced to him again after having re- I haven't read that books for a long time. So yeah. you know, just seeing this in the in the series and what they're talking about and everything and what is going on in the series. Like they said that they wrote it to where it's self contained. Once this season is done, it can end or they can keep going. Either way. So, like, it's, I think it's, it's necessary for us to keep going because there's so much that we can offer so much of these, these other side stories, like, just like Star Wars, you know, these other versions, because this, the Watchmen took place in New York. This is, this is, um, uh, what you call it? Ohio. Yeah. So it's like, whoa, okay. Okay. And then in the trailer there, um, you think Texas? It's in Oklahoma, Tulsa. Oklahoma, that's right. Oh, there you go. Sorry, I knew it started with no. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> and but like, that's a perfect place to have it. Yeah, like oh yeah, <laughs> like okay, you know. Um, and then um, like the police uh, in the trailer, the police, um, the police are the ones that are using Night Owl's uh, jet there. Uh, his. Uh, his vehicle, and you're like, okay. okay. There's, spe- there's speculation that he is Night Owl, or he was Night Owl. The huh. the police Johnson? chief, the police chief was Night Owl, and that's huh. why they're using Archie. Huh. <laughs> well, I think they got uh, Ozzy Mandius uh, cast just perfect with Jeremy Irons. Is that who he's supposed to be, Ozzy Mandius? Yes. Yep. Okay, because I was reading that, but I like I didn't really. That wasn't. I felt like I felt it a little bit, but it wasn't like. Okay, is this like for certain? So I, I'm just kind of just, I'm just absorbing everything as much as I possibly can. <laughs> well, and it's interesting how he writes a play and he's retelling the the creation of Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. In yeah. the show. <laughs> yes. And, Spoiler. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> But we don't care about those here. Yeah, we don't we don't worry about those here. Sucking up and being an adult and then yeah. just understand we're talking about shit. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah, that's I was like, whoa. And then you find out like, okay, there's more than one of these these people. And I'm just like, ah. So what else is going on? Like, what is the real deal? Like what is really going on? What's really mm-hmm. Do they have plans for a second season, or, or is it just still open? Just still open. They still ha- they haven't bought in yet. 
Uh, I think it's still open. I mean, I would we probably have to just check it out to see what's going on, especially after, after this weekend. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, like they, they said that they can go either way. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Hopefully yeah. we go inside. <laughs> and we're back. I think, I think <laughs> with the first two episodes that have aired it, you can kind of get that feeling that it could go either way. I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like, I, I was all in for the first episode for a while, and then I was like, after thinking about it, rewatching it, I'm kind of, I'm still on the fence about it. Like, I think it's just more of the confusion of you don't really know what's going on. Yes, um, and I think for me personally, that uh, that excites me because that means that something that, that that I may not know what's going on, but it's going to click and everything is going to make sense. So now I have to go back and watch all of that so I can get all these little. Yeah, it's very much it's very much written like um, um, the cop show they have on HBO, True Crime or not True Crimes, um, True Detective. True Detective. Yeah, where they give you little bits and pieces every episode, and then you you've got to it kind of puts it all together towards the end. So, like, yeah. it, it's very much written like that because you don't really know. Like they give you just enough to get by. I think. Yeah, and that's and that's. That's how you're supposed to do it. That's how you're supposed to do it. And that's why I think, uh, I, I know when people are watching, uh, that's why I think the um, the stream wars, when that like really starts to pop off and stuff like that, that's where I think uh, there's going to be a lot of craziness because Netflix has a lot of shows over this. Okay, here's the entire um, season. Go ahead. And then you got the other shows that are, issue after issue just like the comics and that's why i love that stuff like okay i have to wait now i'm gonna be sitting up here thinking all this the whole time like night and day like oh my god what does this mean what does this mean i gotta watch this again did i did i miss something oh my god oh my god oh my god you know and it's uh, that I, I, they're doing it right we'll see and i think the only way to to kind of put two and two together is the way you're doing it going back and reading the comic because they've taken so much continuity from the comic and not as much from the movie and to, to make this show. So I think yeah. you're definitely doing it the right way. If you're trying to connect the dots between the Good two. Good job. You got a sure. boy for Matt. Yeah. Good did. job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Kyle, where, where was your hand raised, Kyle? What? Where, why didn't you raise your hand before you interrupted? <laughs> oh, because I'm a fucking goddamn host. I don't have to. <laughs> I'm an adult. I stopped having to raise my hand in I'm kindergarten. Yes, I'm not a fucking co-host. I'm a goddamn host. <laughs> I'll talk what I want. I do what I want. Uh, so, sorry that I want to be polite. Um, <laughs> polite on the <this> show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, interested to get your opinion on uh, Moon Knight, Brian and uh, Donna's. What do you think of? Uh, Stained Glass Scarlet being the one of the main villains in the first season of the Moon Knight TV show. Uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of cheesy. I think I don't think. I think that it's it's just going to be one of the villains that like, you know, it's like in the first couple episodes, maybe type deal. You know what I mean? I don't think it's going to be the the main uh, big bad. Do you? Uh, honestly. I wanted to get into Moon Knight when I was younger, but uh, I think I was too involved with Spawn and Spider-Man. So I didn't get as... I loved the way he looked. I thought he was dope. Um, I thought there were a lot of cool aspects to it, but I just never really got into the storyline. So 
honestly, whoever they come at, I'm I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch because I want to learn more about Moon Knight. I want to. This is a way for me to sit down and actually learn more about Moon Knight. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if who else would you? Who would you rather the first villain be, Brian? Oh, I, Moon Knight villains are kind of weird. Um, I think Moon Knight, Moon Knight, his main villain is kind of himself, right? I, mm-hmm. is, that's that's always been Moon Knight's main villain is his his kind of like uh, schizophrenia type deal. Um, they can they could kind of do the uh, the the more monster like stuff if they wanted to, I guess, but. I don't know. There's Moon Knight doesn't really have very many crazy villains. I mean, I thought it would have been perfect to bring him into the uh, the dark Daredevil New York uh, you know, Punisher type universe. That would have been perfect. That they 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 had it set up perfect for that. That would have been that would have been really awesome because then he could have been like he could have been he could have been. Um, huh, how can I how can I put this? He could have been like. Um, in, in certain wars, he could have been the fox. You know, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. You yeah. know, so um, that could have been that could have been really well done, especially in the Daredevil world. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Matt? I mean, I I can't really even think of very many Moon Knight villains. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I I didn't either. I figured with these with these shows like. You're gonna have your secondary bad guys, kind of like this, and mm-hmm. I figured Marvel would start to set the groundwork for who their who their uh, brutes on the ground overarching villains gonna be between the movies and TV shows versus um, their cosmic one. Since yes. that's that's kind of been the the rumor that's going around is that they're looking to split it into two cosmic and boots on the ground villains. So I kind of figured they would use these shows to to more kind of lay that that groundwork and especially with like the stuff that's coming out about Scarlet Witch and the Scarlet Witch and Vision TV show merging into leading right up to the events of Doctor Strange and the multi multiverse of madness. So I think that's so cool. I think that's so cool. That's dope. So I, I think figured... that Scarlet Witch is gonna take them to that multiverse of madness, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Does that mean we're going to see quicksilver again like i think so i i don't know I, I think that was such a mistake to kill him off yeah yeah and that's that's probably why they're doing this like this because they're like oh let's just get the quicksilver from a different universe yeah bring him over here yeah and <sighs> the character and they wasted him yeah it's going to be interesting to see like how that how much that changes the landscape of the marvel universe going forward yeah Hopefully they mow it. <laughs> Hopefully they mow it. You <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Hopefully they mow it. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, the other big news that came out today is they finally released the announce or announced the release date for Into the Spider-Verse 2. You know what the big news today was, Matt? What's that? Fucking Rage Against the Machines doing a reunion tour. That's the goddamn news that came out today that fucking we're talking about. How um, has that not happened already? I just... They're playing five shows and one of the shows is fucking here. 
<laughs> That's what the fucking news. Every 40-year-old motherfucker's running, waiting at Ticketmaster for fucking tickets right now. So yeah. saying that they're uh they're bulls on parade, is that is that what is that what I'm hearing? I don't mm, Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Dude, I'm so excited for that. Apparently that made, that made my whole entire day when I saw that this morning. They they fucking they came on Instagram, they created an Instagram account, and they've made one post, one goddamn post that says fucking reunion tour with five shows. And they broke the internet with one post. <laughs> they did. It was like, oh my it's, it's, dude, I don't know. All day I had it. I was just I kept Googling. When do Rage Against the Machine tickets go on sale? When do Rage Against the Machine tickets go on sale? I would reword it and think of other ways to write it in case like like I was like I was gonna be the sneaky motherfucker that like figured out with a weird with weird verbiage in the fucking Google bar that I was gonna find the link to fucking be the first guy to buy tickets and I was just gonna fucking I was gonna I don't know it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, All day. I think it's interesting that they announced it with the the little blurb that they see no better time than what's going on with society today to rage against the machine, and that's why so they're, yeah, they're, like, they're doing it right before the ease of the election. Mm-hmm. And just and, and this is the other thing I thought too. This is look they're they're doing Las Cruces, New Mexico, El Paso, and then Phoenix. Then they're doing fucking Tucachello, but but the first three tours they're doing is is Coachella too, right? They're doing two shows of Coachella, but I'm saying the first three shows that they're doing are like border, um, oh, border yeah, Mexico. Talk about fucking stuff that's going on. That like I think they're doing it strategically. Yeah, hmm. yeah. If they're smart, they are. Yeah. You know, um, you know it, let's be honest. The main reason they're doing it though isn't to go out there and rage against the machine. No, exactly. Make a little fucking money. Because uh, they're, I'm, they're, I'm willing to give it to them. I don't care what it costs. A lot of people are. I mean, a lot of people are. So, all right, Winchester, calm down. Well, here's the big question: How come we've never seen anything from Zach De La Rocha? Like, he's done a couple solo albums. He's done some stuff like that. I did. He do a couple solo albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't he walk go off and become a model? Yeah, I thought he went off and became like a monk or something. <laughs> but, well, if anybody cares, Into the Spider-Verse 2 comes out April 8, 2022. So, yeah. My chemical romance came and said, hey, we want to do a reunion tour. And Rage Against the Machine said, hold my beer. You know what? <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I found out today by listening to Joe Rogan. The lead singer of My Chemical Romance and Joe Rogan are cousins, and they've never met each other. That's because Joe Rogan's like on another level. Oh yeah. Oh dude, I can't even fucking listen to it, man. It's this fucking stupid stoner talk, man. It's like fuck. What? That's awesome. I was listening to like I was talking to Kyle today. I was listening to the newest one he did with Kevin Smith, and they're talking about how um, it's perceived that we're living in a simulation, or that aliens aliens have come here and they have created and accelerated our evolution and we're part of an experiment and you know what joe rogan and kevin used to do shut the and i was like i was like this is crazy thinking like this has really got me thinking and and brian and kyle's like this is fucking stupid stoner talk (laughs) (laughs) it is though 
I, I love Joe Rogan. Rogan and I, Shut the and, fuck up. And I love that type of stuff. But man, like he has, he talks about it so much. <laughs> like, I've heard it a thousand times. Shut the fuck up. That's why I love Joe Rogan, man. I'll never say a bad word about Joe Rogan. For real, for real. No, it's funny as fuck, man. But like you listen to it, and I, I remember like one time I was listening to one of the podcasts. And this is where I got his fucking stoner targets. He was talking to like, this was years ago. And uh, he was talking to some professor from some college. And I li- and it was like three hours of them just rambling about fucking nothing. And I was like, and I'm just listening. And I'm like, this is the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Like, and it was just, it was the same thing. It was same basis. It was just stupid stoner talk. Well, what if we did this and it dove into this and it really meant that? Shut the fuck up, Joe Rogan. Just interview the dude, man. Like, we don't need to fucking, we don't need to go on a psychedelic trip here. So you can, you can, you can, you can um, be excited for Scarlet Rich's journey and then Dr. Strange's journey into a multiverse, but you can't join Joe Rogan on his journey to his multiverse. I'm just a simpleton. That's what's wrong. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm open to, look, I don't discriminate against multiverses. I mean, I'm open. Hey, you guys want to come over here and to my universe? Let's go. Let's talk about it. Hey, man, I'm all about DMT. So I'm right there with you. I just, uh, I just found it um, interesting that when he was talking to Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith was talking about how Gerard Way is going to score Clerks 3. And then he's like, "We're we're cousins, and we've never met each other." Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so weird. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing that happened on that episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not gonna go into the multiverse talk because I don't want to hear you talk about how it's just stoner talk again. I love whenever Kevin Smith is on with Rogan because you can tell like Kevin Smith is really interested in just talking with Joe Rogan. Yeah. Like he's like a big fan. You could—he's like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we're like we're like an experiment for aliens. They're like doing stuff, and we're like doing stuff. Well, the cool but thing is, Rogan, Rogan is on his um his sober October was on a sober but October. So it doesn't mean he doesn't stop thinking like a stoner, well, right? But just because he hasn't, and it's November. Well, this was this episode was a few days ago, so. Um, so, so basically, their thought process is that we're in Stephen King book. Was it under the glass or something like that? Where the um, the the shield is over that town and it just keeps drinking. Just a TV show for aliens. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're basically um, an ant farm. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, we're like one of the marbles of the aliens, and they're playing each other. Men in black. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're all just part of a cosmic chess game, huh, Kyle? Ugh. Dude, like, they're just like, they're just using us to make, a, they're writing a book <laughs> with their pawns, and like, that's, that's all it is. Shut the fuck up. We're fucking aliens controlling us, goddamn it. We're on a goddamn simulation. This isn't the Matrix. Shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> Could be like the Terminator where you already live in a world controlled by robots and you're just in a simulation. Oh, we're a goddamn simulation. Oh, God. Donald Trump was sent back to help us out. Is that yeah. what it was? Well, like they got into it. Dude, they, were, they were talking about how like when you go to sleep at night, they like reboot the simulation. So like the next day, like when you dream and you, your yesterday was just like memories from that last simulation. It's, it's fucking weird how deep they got into it. Huh? Fucking stupid. <laughs> Cause you know what, you know what I had a dream the other night. I'll tell you the dream I had the other night. <sighs> okay. So <laughs> that my old job, I was wiring a house. And inside the house that I was wiring, I don't even wire houses. I work inside somewhere now. I was wiring a house with my old dude I used to work with who was bragging that he was an IT guy. And um, the other guy who was just a random dude that I worked with a long time ago, he's just there helping. I go to wire the master bedroom and there's it's, – it's, it's a framed house. And there's uh, taxidermy animals in there, so you're telling me that's part of my simulation? Yep. Get the fuck out of here! That was my that was my reset in my simulation from yesterday. Mm -hmm. That's what I really did fucking yesterday. That's right. Yes. Shut the fuck up, Joe Rogan and Kevin Smith. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, okay. Here, here's another dream I had. So this must have been part of the simulation too. So I was going to the airport. So I was being driven to the airport. I go to the airport, right? You were Ubering or lifting. <laughs> my aunt was driving me oh, okay. so I get to the airport I walk to the airport we're walking through I'm walking to my gate I walk through the gate and I'm at somebody's garage like a auto mechanic garage mm -hmm. and I find that they're 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 paying some of their bills and buying parts with my credit card and uh, what happens is I get a phone call that gypsies are living in my grandma's front yard and I have to get rid of the gypsies. <laughs> so, I so I drive to my grandma's house and I'm saying, hey, you fucking gypsies, you need to get the fuck out of here and find somewhere else, you fucking traveling gypsies. <laughs> and uh, it was like, and they're like, no, we don't want to leave. And I was like... He just finds every word to describe what a gypsy is to insult them. And... Uh, <laughs> So what happens is, is I talk to the neighbor. I say, hey, I need your AR. And the guy walks out with an AR. Which one do you want? Do you want the one around my head or do you want the one on my left hand? And I go, I, I want that one. Is this so like I a say, red, blue, red pill, blue pill situation? No. So I pull out the, I pull out the AR and I, and I aim it at the fucking gypsies, goddamn gypsies. And uh, they won't leave, so I shoot one in the leg. <laughs> fucking serious. Get the fuck out of here. God damn it, gypsies, get out of here. And uh, so I then they, 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 they won't quite fucking leave. And I shoot another one in the arm. And they're like, all right, all right, all right. We'll leave. They roll up their tarps. <laughs> they get in their shitty RVs and they left. But what they did was, before they left, they broke a bunch of glass and sprinkled glass all around the house. And then while they did that, they put a curse on us. So then I had to walk around and fucking sweep up glass and uncurse the house. Were you using sage or? So now you're telling me that's a goddamn, that's what I did yesterday? Fuck you, Joe Rogan. It's, hey, oh. Not what I did hey, yesterday. Hey, that's, that's, not that's a pretty vivid dream. I don't remember half my dreams that vividly, so. Dude, I remember all my dreams like that. 
Dude, that sounds like it sounds like in the Dark Tower. You're like in the realm where all of these thinnies mate, and you're just looking into these different universes and versions of you. And that's what the dreams are. They're just doorways to the other you. I was a badass with an AR shooting motherfuckers, <laughs> fucking gypsies. Oh man! Fuck out of my grandma's front yard, gypsies. <laughs> the landscape up. You don't curse no glass over here, son. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I had another dream a couple weeks ago, oh, too. God. <laughs> this will be the last dream I have. So my boss at my work comes up to me. And I, you know, I, I do help desk stuff. And he was all mad at me. He comes up. He says, you know what? I can get a goddamn program to do what you do. Yet, I choose to hire you. And he fucking screams at me. So he's telling me that was what I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I'm not buying into that fucking stoner talk. Is there a way that you can share your dreams? Because I'd love to be a spectator to this. I wish. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be so sweet. That would be cool. Hey, you guys you guys want to link up in Dream World? Dream Man? <laughs> uh, I'll send you a friend request real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Who wants to go watch Kyle's dreams? They're the most entertaining. <laughs> oh, man. Insightful, Fuck Kyle. Geez. <laughs> oh man um before we we head off for the night i gotta take a minute to uh kind of reach talk about my dreams no yeah retract talk something that um corbin said last week that apparently we got wrong because we got emails and posts about it uh, if you guys are looking forward to old man con he said it was this weekend. It is actually Sunday, November 10th from 11 to 5 in Old Town Scottsdale. So just to kind of correct. Uh, it kind of looks interesting to be what honest. What Corbin got wrong there. It's not that big me of, yo, fuck. It kind of reminds me of old school uh, John days at uh, uh, the. Yeah, we should go do that, man. I'm going. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah. two blocks from my work, so I know how to get there. So go head up Old yeah. Man Con and then go to White Castle afterwards. Oh god, yuck! Oh, oh. oh come I'm on! Old, Ken used to go to old Man Con. <laughs> so it's an old town. So anybody who lives here locally who's listening and wants and hasn't heard about it, it's in Old Town Scottsdale. Yeah. It's, over like off of like second and Stetson. and and the real name is basically Scottsdale Comic Con. Is that what they're calling it? Kind of, yeah. It's like Scottsdale's first Comic Con type of thing. Yeah. But I mean, there's going to be artists there. There's going to be people selling books. It's 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 shaping up to be something that's going to be kind of cool. I'm yeah. hoping it's it, it's something that's going to be awesome that we can build on. And I I can't wait to get there and and I want to get them on afterwards and talk about doing this because I think it's a pretty cool thing. Well, it definitely sounds like something we've been complaining about for for years. How the Comic Cons aren't geared towards comic book fans anymore it's more about the movies and it seems like they're deaf this is old school so that's kind of cool that sounds cool man we should get him on friday night to talk about it oh there you go hey he, they say they're fans of the show and that we should stop into their their store i'm, they, calling, you, I'm calling you out right they now. own uh fantastic world of comics in scottsdale so all right there you go fantastic world of scottsdale guys Let's go. Well, I'm. I, I, maybe I'll. Uh, I'll cruise along with you, Kyle. It sounds like something might be worth checking out. Um, I'm definitely gonna go. It's gonna be worth it. 
I might have to drive. Yeah, you should go with Cor- you should go with Corbin, Adonis. He can drive you there very slowly. I gotta go with Corbin. Because <laughs> don't you guys live no- next to each other? You carpool. <laughs> Corbin lives so far away, and oh. then he has so troubles with his fan. It's well, because uh, like when we when we talk about it with Corbin, he's like, "Oh yeah, me and Adonis live close to each other," and that's why I thought you guys carpool. Mm-mm. Well, you know, if you live out on the east side of the valley here, it's everybody's next to each other out there. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he lives. I remember it, he telling me, like, giving me directions to drop uh, to his house. He's like, "Oh, it's just right over here." And like seven lights later, okay. So after this, you're gonna make one of the <laughs> right. And I was just like, "Okay, okay." And then you're gonna go down for a little bit. I'm like, "What's a little bit?" He's like, oh, "I don't know, maybe ten minutes. It's all right." I'm like, "Dude." Perfect, hey, me... perfect directions. <laughs> it was it was funny. It was really funny. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, but you guys got anything else you want to talk about? Anything you want to bring up, Adonis? Since you're the guest here tonight. Um, plug your shit. Yeah, plug your stuff. Um, at whoops, Adonis. Uh, and it's weird. it's weird that it's flip flopped. I know. I'm just like, hey, it's right there. Oh, hey, I did it right. Uh, it's right there. Um, at Adontis on Instagram. Check me out. Uh, I'm posting stuff about things that I think is interesting. Um, and my baby. That's pretty much it. Um, I love comics and things like that. There's. You wanna plug your podcast? Uh oh yeah. Uh huh. I don't know. Fucking too late. All right, fine. You lost. <laughs> At comicplayground.com. Thanks. <laughs> it's called what is it? It's what is it called now? I know you guys changed the name. Um yes, we changed the name, but it, I don't know if it's, it's called anything. Franking Out with Frank Caliendo and Frank's friends. Oh <laughs> wow, that's a lot of Franken footing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you gotta uh, get that search engine optimization going. Hey. Frankity Frank Frank the Frankity Frank Frank the Frank 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 Frank. Frank, Frank. <laughs> Uh, no, but the, like we're we are making some changes soon. So once that once that's all you know laid out and everything like that, then we'll we'll let you guys know. So cool, very um, cool. Franken footers. Frankie, Frank, Frank, Frankie, Frank, Frank. Gosh. <laughs> oh man. All like, you gotta do is go maybe, into the mirror. Maybe they can. Uh... It'll show up for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, turn the lights off get a candle going uh, real quick I got a, I got a question did you guys talk about um, the Green Lantern yeah. craziness yes yeah okay we, we, we mentioned that it's coming to, to HBO Max is there more you want to talk about with it uh, no I'm just really stoked because I've been stucking on that Green Lantern stuff for a long time man and I'm ready to make some money you know I've been buying for like the last year, I've been buying Green Lantern stuff. Right? I mean, look at this, dude. Oh. All... Dude, I have both of those books right there, too. Well, here's the crazy thing. Like, for, for those of you guys that might not know, like, this is the book that people are kind of going crazy for for right now for some reason. But if you guys don't know, this run, the Parallax run that has the first Kyle Rayner, is part of the DC Universe variant. So... Um, look for these DC Universe variants. They uh, they add quite a bit of uh, uh, value to them. So um, that's a book that I've been just grabbing. And, and and of course, it's you know one of the all time best covers is in this run too. So um, I remember. Yeah, 
And of course, uh, hope I, here, here I am again, you know, hoping that they're going to do Blackest Night and the whole Jeff Johns saga. And uh, I've heard rumors about that. I don't know what you guys have heard, but you're so you're you're specking on that it's going to be Hal Jordan instead of uh, Jonathan. Stewart. No, I think it's going to be the Green Lantern core. And I think it's going to be Hal Jordan, uh, Kyle Rayner, John Stewart, and Guy Gardner, and uh, they're going to do the whole parallax thing, and then that's going to lead into Blackest Night, and uh, you know Hal Jordan have to come back, you know, and redeem himself, and you know he's going to need the help from the Green Lantern Corps, you know, because there was rumors a few years back that they wanted to do the Green Lantern Corps. You know, and that whole thing. And I think that was like where the Chris Pine as Kyle Rayner came from and uh, who was they were specking uh, as John Stewart. I can't remember. Um, well, speaking yeah, of that, keep your, keep your eyes on the crisis on Infinite Earths because there's rumors that Diggle from uh, Arrow is going to make an appearance as a Green Lantern. So mm-hmm. they, they make final appearance. They make reference last season to when uh, the. Uh, all the crisis stuff starts far coming up mm. about how they haven't, they've never seen him without his ring before. So there's a Ooh. lot of speculation that you're going to see Green Lantern Corps in the Crisis on Infinite Earth. The monitor, the monitor makes reference to that that he's never seen Diggle without his his power ring before. So, oh, interesting. Mm. Well, cool. So look out on that. All right. That's pretty dope. I'm excited. But uh, that'll do it for this week, guys. I want to thank everyone for uh, hanging out with us. I want to thank Martin for for giving us that awesome interview. And what's his website again? Comic, cosmic cosmictimes.net. Yep, cosmictimes.net. Cosmic check them out. Um, if, uh, what's it called? First Blood. Yeah. Oh, uh, from Blood. Yeah, I might have to pick that up, but I'm going to ask him for an autographed one. Oh yeah. I'm going to start demanding a From Blood shirt. <laughs> I'm going to be home. I'm going to be home in Thanksgiving, so I might have to stop by and say what's up. That's a pretty good idea. There you no. go. That's, uh, that's what you do best, Kyle. You start demanding things. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Ray Gun shirt. <laughs> I, 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 got sign, I want a signed copy of Ray Gun. I want, <laughs> I want a shirt for every podcast I go on. <laughs> These aren't crazy demands. Because oh, they're within the realm of fucking reason. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, because... I wanna... Oh, go ahead, guys. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, Again. Again. It's, it's the delay. Can you match start raising his hand? Oh, yeah, I should. Just mute myself and put myself in timeout. Oh, <laughs> Just, just uh, tell me, just tell me to stop talking, and I'll just delete it and post, so nobody ever knows it happened. No, no, no keep it in. This is this is what it's about. This <laughs> don't want to ruin the integrity of being told to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe Rogan, shut the fuck up, uh, uh, dude. I want him to comment and just, just be like, bro, what's up? Man? I want him to just be like, bro, fight me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, I'll fight Joe Rogan, dude. Right he, want, he wants you to fight him on an undercard in, U- in a UFC fight. He's just like, would, bro, fight me. I would fight Joe Rogan any day of the week. Joe Rogan. Will I, will wear, I will wear my fucking, I will wear my absolute geek podcast 
workout shorts. You my absolutely fucking boxing gloves. I'd be like, what's up, bitch? We got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Let's do this. I'll fucking grapple the shit out of him. Yes, you will grapple the shit out of the out of the ground after he just knocks you out. <laughs> uh, grapple the shit out of him. Uh, I'm gonna dude, I'm gonna taint punch him, dude. It's gonna be awkward. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna Johnny Cage him real quick. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna pull his groin, pretending to do a split. Split his shorts. <laughs> Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is gonna go to kick him, and Kyle's is gonna taint punch him. <laughs> He's gonna high. He's gonna try to high kick me. I'm just gonna be like, "Damn, taint punch, bitch!" Oh man. Uh, I don't know if anyone here's a one punch man, but a fan. So, have you watched the first season of the anime? Uh, yes. So it's gonna be like when Speed of Sound Sonic is coming down on uh, Saitama's fist, and he just drills him in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'll be like this right to the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> You're just gonna see his a, dude. His balls, dude. It's gonna be a speed bag. <laughs> so it's gonna be like tag when he pull when Jeremy Renner's character pulls his pants down and speed bags the dude's butt, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he speed bagged me. Oh god. No punching in the asshole, Kyle. Remember that. Oh, god, only taints. All right, guys. I wanna thank I wanna thank everyone for tuning in tonight with us and having a good time. It was fun in chat as always. Thanks to Donis for, for filling in for us this week. We'll have to have you back on uh very, very soon. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. You have an open invite anytime you want to come on. Thank you very much. Yeah. This was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to say that, and then you're not going to ever come up and come back on until I ask you. Hey. I'm telling you, it's an open invite. Anytime you're bored on a Friday night, just jump in. Don't put that in the universe, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can't fucking come on this show. <laughs> anytime you want to talk comics, you, you know where you – on a Friday night, you know where to come. For sure, so. man. For sure. Yeah, um, open invite. Uh, definitely. Awesome. Guys, if you had a good time tonight, let's make sure to hit that like button. If this is your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you're listening to us on Monday's rebroadcast on any of your um, downloaded uh, podcast applications, <laughs> whatever. Right. I, I've got a Spotify. Yes, all the other dumbass podcasting fucking places you can listen. Okay, everybody, listen. Shut up, Matt. If we have 30 people in the chat next week, I'll give away one of my spawn books from the Tom McFarland signing. Oh. Free giveaway. Ooh. I will give wow. one away. If there's 30 people in the chat. 30 people is – you might want to up that, my friend. <laughs> no. I'm going to stay low because it's not going to – no, if we can get at least 30 people in the chat next week, that's the contest. I will give out one of my spawn – one of the spawn books that you could only get last weekend at that – fuck. well, you can get them on eBay now. But, but I mean, for, for free, you're not going to get that shit anywhere except 
Here. This this is going to be the message I get tomorrow. Dude, I was fucking drunk. I cannot believe I agreed to give away one of my spawn books. Yeah. Nah, I, I'm, nah, fuck that. I know what I'm doing. You do now. I'm in complete control of what this is saying. Okay. We are not in, we are not here by, um, we don't justify any legal tip. Yes, man. I am willing to get, there's 30 people in the chat, dude. I will fucking love to give somebody a $100 book. All right. Guaranteed. All right. It's done. It's out we'll there. See. We'll so see. We're going to find out next motherfucking Friday. Ooh. Ain't got no job. Ain't got no job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, that is my. So I don't know. Put it out there. So, all you people that listen all week, this might be your reason to fucking tune in. To YouTube on Friday. Start sharing it with people. Sharing. Get all your goddamn thing. Get all your friends. Sharing is caring. So. I'm not sharing a goddamn thing. I just shared enough. Told <laughs> <laughs> you my goddamn dreams. How much more can I share with you people? Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Before right. before Kyle starts giving the shirt off his back and all the crazy crappy yeah. shirt. <laughs> well, like Grizzle Geek says, time to start making some ghost accounts. No, 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 no. Yeah. Gotta be, yeah, whatever, whatever makes it. They have to my, do they have to be phone. subscribed? No, I just want to see where it says chat right here. I want to see fucking three zero. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. You don't even have to subscribe. Nope. You could you could come in and once it hits thirty. And I can give you the book, and then you can leave and listen for a minute and be out with a hundred dollar book. Oh, so thirty people, one minute. Let's go. <laughs> it's got to hit thirty people, and then I'll do a giveaway. <laughs> but if it don't hit thirty people, you ain't give shit. All right, all right, everyone. Thanks. I want again. Thanks, Adonis, for filling in for us tonight. It's a pleasure. Again, Thank open you. open interview anytime or oh, interview. Open invitation anytime. Um, yep. Guys, check out Old Man Con November 11th in Scottsdale if you're in the Phoenix area. Remember, yep. next week, 30, 30 people in chat. Kyle's going to give away a $100 book. So Dude. there it is. Who else does that? No one. So for Who this loves you like I do? Besides <laughs> your mom? No one. <laughs> well, you just got a new subscriber because my keys has just subscribed to us on YouTube. So it's starting already. So there you go. But uh, for this week's episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast, I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. I'm Brian. I'm Adonis. And we'll see you guys. <laughs>